This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Football Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves a naughty 40. Yes, that's right, Chelsea have reached the points tally of 40, which means we have avoided relegation this year. Probably. Anyway, joking aside, it was a disappointing week in hindsight as we clung on to a 2-1 away win at Norwich and then snatched a draw from the jaws of victory at home against Stoke on Saturday thus ending our three-match winning streak. Now, were Gus's, uh, Gus Hiddink's substitutions in both games at fault, or are the players still not firing on all cylinders? Or is the crazy old Dutchman merely prioritising wins in the Champions League and the FA Cup? I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Football Fancast 346, the Naughty 40. And on the show with me tonight, we have the uh, erudite Jonathan Kidd. You've never called me that before, Chidge. Well, I'm feeling in a magnanimous sort of mood tonight. Thank you very much. Are you going to explain what it means to... to Erudite, scholarly, very good, wise, sage even. Thank you. I like all those words. Thanks very much, Chidge. You, you are full of sagacity, Jonathan. Oh, that's the best yet. And I'm full of something. I'm not quite sure what. Sagacity. Uh, but there we go. Um, we also have on the show the uh, my, my partner in crime from Saturday, in fact. We have uh, Dan Levy, uh, Dan Levy, Dan Silver, <laughs> who, poured, who poured so much... Uh, Timothy Land, Timothy Taylor landlord down my gullet that I clearly still haven't got my brain in gear. Dan, good, good to hear you, mate. Hi, mate. How you doing? I'm all right, actually. Um, I was basically I felt lobotomized all day yesterday. I know the feeling. You put up a brave fight with that Tommy, you know, Tommy Landlord stuff. You were saying not now, go on then. You know, brave fight. It was good. It was good sesh, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it's good because we had Yosef over from the Emirates. It was really yeah. good to see him. And, so uh, it was good night, and Pablo Ross. Yeah. 
Award-winning yeah. Ross Mooring. Award-winning Ross Mooring. Yeah. We, we have it. We even had a visit from the Cundy Meister, didn't we? Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, so yeah, it was a good night, and, and I, I got a reprieve. I got an, an additional hour and a half drinking time because my wife refused to pick me up and drive home to Winchester. So <laughs> every, every cloud. Every cloud. How, how did you get home? Um. Well, I, I ended up staying in the flat, Jonathan. You know, she refused to drive home, so I got more pissed and just went home. Uh, I can't even remember if I had anything to eat. Uh, and then I went to bed because I was... Oh, she didn't pissed. drive home without you then? No, no, she didn't. Now, uh, no, no, although she was probably tempted. Anyway, uh, last but by no means least, for the... I, I, I think this is the first time officially on a full podcast, rather than doing a ropey Skype call to a TV channel, we have um, a, a man who I absolutely adore, who is hilarious fun... Uh, who does um, a podcast on Chelsea, which knocks the shit out of this one, frankly. Um, and he is, uh, by name, the Reverend Tony Glover. Good evening. And it's lovely to be here, Archbishop Chidge. Yeah. Mate, I tell you what, you know, you, you sound better than all of us. So clearly you are a professional and we are just I've, amateurs. I have actually got an echo going on in the background where I can hear everything twice. So really, if it, if it sounds a bit stuttery... Yeah, it's, it's that point where I can hear my own voice coming back and what have you. But, That's a bit um, weird. Well, we're not hearing yeah. echoes that I'm aware of. But no, it's so... probably my old system here or whatever, you know. It's, it's, this is the podding shed gremlin that I'm introducing into the proceedings. Like a virus. Absolutely. That's not what we want. <laughs> Tony, it's great to have you in here properly. It's brilliant to be here. Um, I should also mention, for those of you who, who just listen to the podcast and who don't deign to uh, wander into Mixler of a Monday night, Tony, for, for many, well, I'd probably years now, has, has been a real mainstay of the chat room in Mixler as we as we do this live, uh, coating off anybody who shits their nappy, uh, much, much to my delight. Because, I mean, I don't, as he knows, I don't get to interact very well with what's going on in Mixler, but I, I do read it as I'm doing the show. And I sometimes it's so funny that I almost corpse, but there we go. Anyway, moving swiftly along, um, on the show tonight, we will be discussing what went wrong with the substitutions against Norwich and Stoke and asking, has the team progressed under Goose and has the Dutchman given us false hope? In part two, we'll be asking if Gus is prioritising the Champions League and the FA Cup at the expense of the Premier League. And we'll be asking, how is it that Traore can play without fear whilst Loftus-Cheek plays with the weight of expectation on him? In part three, we'll be remembering the King of Stamford Bridge, Peter Osgood, uh, with the anniversary of his death ten years ago uh, last week. And we'll be discussing the farce of the meeting held by the Premier League Big Five, including us, uh, on rumours of a European Super League. And we'll also be musing over some potential ideas for the new Stamford Bridge gates. Uh, and uh, the reason for that is that a young lady isn't in here tonight, but there's a, a chap called Alex who quite often frequents the Mixler chat room with you all, who uh, runs a, an architect's practice, and he's emailed me, and there'll be more of that later. Anyway, wrapping up in part four, we'll have the usual roundup of Chelsea supporters' news. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at seven o'clock, there or thereabouts, by going to Mixler, which you will find at mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as many are doing right now. And, of course, you can also tweet us at Chelsea Fancast. During the show, tell us what you think about the games and anything else on Chelsea, and I will comprehensively ignore it, because that's what I do. Now, anyway, after this, uh, after this little sting, we will talk about Chelsea versus Stoke and Norwich. <laughs> 
first thing on the agenda tonight, gentlemen, um, there's quite a lot to talk about, really, but I'm going to kick it off um, by talking about the, the Stoke game, although you could also include the Norwich game in this, because um, there, there, there was a school of thought here, which um, is that the substitutes in the last two games have not really done us many favours. Um, I think it did cost us against Stoke, and I think it could have cost us against Norwich. Just to remind you, I mean, I had to remind myself, no surprise there, but um, against Stoke, Hazard came off for Ruben Loftus-Cheek on about 60 minutes, Traore came off for Remy, and Matic came off for Fabregas. And in the Norwich game, Traore came off for Willian, Oscar came off for Mikel, and Kennedy came off for Baba. But I'd rather focus on the Stoke ones first, because I actually think that they probably cost us more. I, I know the little fat Belgian is a bit of an issue for a lot of people, but I actually didn't think he was too bad against Stoke. And I think bringing on Ruben Loftus-Cheek didn't help. I thought Traore was doing okay. And bringing on Reme was just uh, an offside decision waiting to happen. And then when it got a bit squeaky bum, well, it, well we, I don't think Stoke, Stoke had scored when Fabregas came on for Matic. But I actually thought Matic was having quite a decent game for him. Um, I, so, Jonathan, am I being a miserable old git or, or have I got a point here? No, you have completely got a point. I, I, I agree with you completely. I'm, I'm afraid... Um... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be a, a Loftus Cheek basher because um, we've got a whole bit on Loftus Cheek in part two, so I shall. Pry I know, you yeah, for but that, I, yeah. I think he contributed uh, uh, dreadfully to the uh, the demise of the performance after 75 minutes. I mean, I think I think he was he was resting players, wasn't he? Obviously, when he took Hazard off after mm. 60, because I agree with you. I thought Hazard was uh, was doing okay. I get the impression with Hazard occasionally that he's got a bit fed up with being chopped down and he, you could almost see him thinking oh well I've got to better take a few players on now oh I've been upended again oh I've been injured which uh, is, is so regular every time he gets the ball that um, you can understand him trying to get rid of it quickly but as long as he doesn't give it away which he wasn't doing as much in that game I mean the press had a real go at us saying that um, uh, what an average side we were and even Gary Lineker said well they're going to finish mid-table and I was very disappointed um that if he did substitute everybody because he was waiting for the and he was preparing for PSG, that it that the momentum may have gone because if we'd won, we'd have only been um, uh, you know we'd have been seventh, wouldn't we? We'd have, rather than being tenth, which we are, um, and and it might have just uh, you know there might have been an outside chance of finishing fifth or something. I mean, I, to, I don't think it's going to be possible now with uh, West Ham apparently on a charge that they they'll either finish fourth or fifth. But um, yeah, I, I, it, it, to me, it, it's the, the final nail in the coffin was having the strange Loftus cheek wandering around. You said the, the weight of expectation. Well, I would say, the, I, I I would wanna, say yeah. the, the diver's boots of expectation. Well, I want, I want to talk about that in part two, really. But yeah. I just thought generally, you know, I mean, I know this will creep into the show as we go along about why Gus may have done it. But um, just to pick up on what you said about Hazard without going off on too much of a tangent. Um, I mean, we've said it you know, quite a lot when we were being kind about Hazard that I could see him going at the end of the season really because he's he's had enough of being kicked out of the game and, and clearly, you know, he has been kicked out of the game for the last two years. There's no doubt about that, is there, Dan? No, he's, he, I mean, he, he's a number one target. Wherever he gets the ball, someone, some clot-topping centre-half or midfielder tries to kick him. And I think, I think it was either Norwich or... Saturday's game, he went down and just his face was like, "What are they doing to me?" Because people, you know, he's a, he's a danger man. He, he's on his day, he's a danger man. How do you stop a danger man? 
you kick the shit out of him. And I mean, you know, we, we do moan, and we have moaned a lot on the show recently about the fact that, um, unlike last season, he's he's not running directly at defences, which I want to see him do, because I think, mm-hmm. you know, that way lies Nirvana and goals for Chelsea oh. and more excitement. And I mean, but you can understand it when he gets chopped, can't you, Dan? Yeah, I totally understand it. And also, I think it's one of those classics, it's the Euros coming up, so maybe he's not playing at full pelt because he thinks, well, it's a Euros in France, it's, it's almost home for Belgium. And he, he wants to be the star of man because he feels he has a good Euros, he's in the shop window, so if he does want to leave, he's got a great opportunity to get get himself a move. But it is, it is frustration for him as well, for, for being kicked. I can't imagine it's fun having your, your ankles chopped, you know, week in, week out. Cause if, you know, if you've got a 16 stand centre-half kicking you, it's, it's going to hurt. No, exactly. I mean, one one of the things that uh, you know interested me was the fact that in the in the pub afterwards, Dan will verify this, Tony. But in the pub afterwards, having a chat with Cundy, I, I was quite pissed, as people will probably not be surprised to hear. But I actually said, you know, I was really cross about losing that game to Stoke, and Jay said, "Chidge, <laughs> chidge, we we drew." But I think I, I mean that tells everything really. It felt like a defeat because I mean, you know, I thought we we played pretty well actually, and we were pretty much in control of that and. You know, second half, Stoke came back at us and and are a decent side, I think, and we lost control of the game. And there was an there was an, almost an inevitability about us conceding that goal, wasn't there, Tony? Indeed. And um, two things. Number one, um, I'm glad to hear that Dan was shoveling Timothy Taylor landlord oh, down your throat. Fine, but we're in the Tommy Tucker, Tony. <laughs> it, oh, do you know, one of these days, I'm just going to come on the train and just you know have, have this afterwards because you know I, I was so jealous hearing you lot on Twitter and all this sort of stuff. But um, going back to your point, um, I've forgotten what the point was. Were we talking about Hazard? Um, no. Oh, no, no, about losing fact... the game. Well, and yeah. didn't lose it. No, uh, but it felt like it. Yeah, and didn't it? I had a, a simple view from about 25 minutes into the second half. We resembled the worst of the old Mourinho, the last days of Mourinho's regime. Sitting back, sitting deep, letting Stoke come at us. Uh, and it was really, really quite difficult to watch. And as you said, there's a sense of inevitability about the whole thing. Um, Matic, not, you know, he's not been the greatest this season, but he was doing a bit of a job on Juve, clambering over him and stopping him in general or whatever. Um, and it just felt to me that in actual fact, we were sitting, we invited, do you, do you remember the game we lost at Stamford Bridge to QPR when Benitez was in charge? Yeah. <clears throat> it, it reminded me of that. Oh, God. So I can understand. I can understand why you feel it was a defeat because yeah. it felt like it because there was this sort of kind of increasing sense of desperation. Let's face it: if Bojan had had his shooting boots on, we would have lost at the end. Mm. So um, I had a very strange noise then. Are we all still in the house? Dan, you still with yes, us? Yes, still here. Jonathan, you still with us? <laughs> Blimey! Some, I think maybe somebody's mobile phone just went bing. But there yeah. you go. But uh, no, to- Tony, I think it's really interesting you bring that 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 Benitez type thing in because, of course, I think one of the things that that to a man every Chelsea supporter I know hated about Benitez, apart from all the very obvious things, was the the stifling negativity with which he played mm. the game, which completely risk averse and 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 you know a lot of the the, the issues that we, we've already talked about. Um, you know, before the show, I was thinking about this, and and I was just wondering what's going on with Gus Hiddink here. And I saw, I've, I've seen some really interesting stats. Now you all know that I am not a man for stats, but having said that, I'm gonna I'm gonna bore you with these. Um, we've dropped ten points at home to Watford, West Brom, Everton, Man United, and Stoke, 
and since Gus took over the reins, we've had just one home Premier League win over Newcastle. Uh, and since, since he came back, we've only prevented Scunthorpe from scoring at the bridge. The, 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 the counter to that is that the longest, he, he, the longest unbeaten start to a top-flight managerial reign since 1947. So Gus has achieved that with his 12 games. The record, apparently, uh, is held by whoever was managing Preston North End in 1889, and it was 23. <laughs> Um, but you know, it it just it's it's a bit. I mean, you know, I can understand this steadying of the ship, trying to breed confidence. You know, not losing games. It, it, you know, I, I I don't have a a grumble or a complaint about losing games. But you know, at the end of the day, you think, come on, mate, you've got nothing to lose here. Give it a whirl. You know, Jonathan, am I am I being a bit pathetic or what? Well, it, it goes back to what I was saying before. I don't I, I don't think he'd gone into the mindset of um, of. Of, of wanting to win the game by then, by by making all the substitutions, if he wanted to win the game, he'd have he'd have played a much more um, attacking side. He'd have he'd have kept Fabregas, Fabregas, he'd have put Fabregas on at the beginning. So he was obviously saving him. But I agree with you completely. We did a pretty good job up until I think it was the 75th, 75th minute, where indeed everything did descend into this kind of of uh, just sitting back and. And, and nothing happening and booting the ball down the pitch for, for the strange Remy who appears to have just completely gone down well, the uh, you know uh, unbelievable it was a terrible moment when I think we did have an attack and the, um, I can't remember who crossed it to him but um, he just made no effort to run in at all into the penalty area he just stood oh up, I went by, abs- by the yeah spot. I remember that I remember and that you just think what has happened to him obviously he knows he's, he's third choice now and Traore's got is above him, and also while we're at it, what on earth was Pato doing? Was he ever going to be played? Is this what? What about that signing? Point. One of the most bizarre signings, um, as 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 bizarre as signing Falcao. What, but it, what it, it, have it, they it, been it's doing? Int- it's interesting actually the way the way that you're setting up. I mean, the fact that you, you said we were sat back and clinging on. I mean, I I also had that feeling, you know, when we played Norwich. You know, a game it's exactly the same. I agree. Yeah, I you agree. know, we we were we were so on top in that game. Um, you know. One nil within a minute, and then a, a really ridiculously stupid offside goal for Costa. Two nil up. Thank you very much. Good night. Let's go home. And then you find yourself clinging on for twenty minutes for th- grim death. It was. I think to be fair to Norwich, they they did press. Yeah, they very, had a go. Yeah. They, yeah, they gave it an enormous go in a way that Stoke didn't as much. Uh, um, I mean, I, I I was annoyed that Hughes had said that they were been all over us, and it, that was the way the the press seemed to react. Because as far as I, I as far as my my watching it, it we were we we played pretty well, but we played pretty we played we seemed to me to play less and less efficiently the more the substitutions took place. Dan, I've got a question for you. Um, yeah. I've got a question for you all really, but I'm going to ask mm. it for Dan first. I mean, you know, broadly the broad question is: Do do you think we've made progress under Goose? Uh, but the other the other part of the question really is that you know I mean last week we were all quite happy uh, you know because we'd beaten Southampton really tough game and we'd all worked out that we were only seven points from you know fifth place and we were thinking how on a minute you know if we carry this run on we we've got one of the best unbeaten runs in the league at the moment mm-hmm. you know we could find ourselves maybe even sneaking to the top four so suddenly we we're all getting quite excited. And 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 in a, in, in a sense, I, I, you know, what I would say that's positive about Gus, and maybe he's a victim of, of his own success here, is that he's kind of brought us hope where previously there wasn't any. Would you agree with that? I think what he's done is he's he's got the players back playing. He's got this team spirit up. I was such a dysfunctional team most of the season. Where we got the season was going to be a bonus. 
as Ted alluded to earlier, that that second half was very much Mourinho-esque, you know, knocking the ball about, not really trying to make any effort to make an attack. And as Jonathan said about Norwich, if Norwich had a decent striker, they, they would have beaten us because Jerome missed two really good chances in the second half. So I think I think it's it's progress. We haven't lost since he's been here. We haven't set the world alight. And I, I didn't expect us to. We're not going to be suddenly going from abysmal, abysmal form to to world beaters. The season's essentially a write-off. Augustus done very well to the ship, get some spirit amongst the players, get us playing better, wow. better football, I would say. He's got us to, you know, cause part of the FA Cup and with an, a chance to, you know, progress in the Champions League. Mm. If he said that in December, you'd probably be, you know, be, you know sent off the really bit. That's a, that's a really good point. I, mean, I, you know, it, it, I, I think he has done a decent job, you know. And I like I like Goose a lot, and I think actually, you know, there's a lot of articles kicking around at the moment. You know, Mark Worrell wrote one the other week, uh, our little mate Marco, and and there's another one that's come out today in the Telegraph, although I haven't read it. But um, you know, there's an argument to be made that actually, given that he we know he's going to go because he wants to retire, but you know, if that wasn't the case, it, you could make a really strong point for actually keeping on on board because maybe he's probably the best person we can have to transition the side and rebuild it, which clearly it needs doing, Tony. I agree to a point. Um, I wouldn't want to see him as the the coach. I think he's coming with a very short-term remit, as it were. Um, And... Well, I, I just found you know a bit disappointing. I, you know, I'm looking at the the, the the points we dropped at home, ten points. You 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 make that six home points, and suddenly we're in seventh with Liverpool. Okay, if you if you just drop the if you had another two points onto that, we're behind Manchester United, and I think they were games against teams at home we would ordinarily have expected to win. Watford, West Brom, um, and arguably Stoke. Um, in there as well and I, I think it's just a bit of a shame it was a bit of a missed opportunity um, I, I, I would love to see Goose next year in some sort of um, technical director role I don't want to get into the whole Emanalo argument mm. because otherwise we could just be we'll, we'll end up you know sort of up our own arses over that one as usual um, but what I would say is is that he, he definitely has some sort of mentoring role um, and even if it's to overlook the introduction of the youth into the into the squad, which is something that Jose seems to have a particular gate against, you know, a sort of barrier against that sort of thing. Um, I, I do want to see him there. I don't want to see him there as the coach. I don't mm. think that transitional thing for me would be another another season wasted. I think actually this is time for for the club and the governance of the club to grab the ball by the horns and say, right, what's happened before? The chaos model has got to finish at some point. Okay. Because it will threaten revenue and it will threaten all sorts of other things eventually, um, and and actually go with Conte or or whoever it is. I mean, this Pochettino's the latest daft rumor that I've heard, um, but have Gus there in uh, you know in in the same way that you would, you know, Bobby Charlton at Man United or whatever in that kind of uncle role, if you like. That's the best way to describe it. But someone the players could go to that wouldn't threaten the manager. Uh, in that sort of thing and I think also that calming influence I I think he's definitely there for that he's got a remit not to lose Um, but I don't think the remit to win has come through quite enough I mean maybe we're being unfair guys because I mean you know he is he's doing really I suspect what he's been asked to do and and that's to steady the ship and and, you know as you say not lose because you know clearly we want to try and do as well as we can in the league and and we're going to talk about this in part two about 
what he's prioritizing and I suspect there may be a bit of prioritizing going on um, so he's trying to you know in a funny sort of way trying to keep everybody happy and I and I don't think that's 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 a bad thing necessarily and you know I, I never complain if Chelsea don't lose um, but uh, I don't know it just seemed a very very frustrating afternoon really and, and, and one, who's making a, a, a rotten noise with their sweet wrappers Oh, that's me. Sorry, bad boy. I told you, <laughs> yeah. he makes a fucking racket. Yeah, we sorry, can hear man. everything. We can hear can, everything. Can I just say something? I, yeah. I'm under the impression that um, the goose had actually been an advisor since he since his first stint yeah. with the Blues. Well, that's what Dan Levine would would have us believe, Jonathan. And I, and, I, and I think I think I think we all know, although none of us know definitively, but we all suspect through the lot of rumours that come around that that Roman, um, you know, does talk to a lot of people. Avram Grant, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, goose hitting absolutely and i'm sure that there are others too um which makes the argument about the balls up for some of the transfers we've had uh, a, a little bit difficult to stomach when you you know because i trust gus i think he's i think you know in terms of football he he's he's one of the most eminent football people around so i don't know I and mean, then this is the trouble with chelsea isn't it guys you just never really know what's going on so it's very hard yeah. to come out with anything hard and fast listen we're going to go to a quick break but after we do uh, we are going to carry on the chat about gus actually and ask if he's prioritizing the champions league and the fa cup at the expense of the premier league uh, we'll also be talking about um Traore and uh, and loftus cheek uh, who i think have had very different impacts on chelsea uh, and that will be fun i can't wait we'll see you in a sec The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. No doubt everybody's okay. Nobody needs to pee. Um, right. Good, fine. good how, to go. How lovely. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge and you are listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. And in the house tonight, I have got the uh, the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Thank you. I have got the incredibly generous and avuncular Dan Silver. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> and the rip-roariously hilarious Tony Glover. <laughs> Good evening. Yeah, it's good to have you boys in here, actually. Uh, I've had a bit of a weird day. I, I was dragged around Ikea with my wife today, so if I sound a bit kind of down down in the mouth, <laughs> it's actually got bugger all to do with Chelsea. It's the fact I've been wandering around Ikea going abs- wanting to commit suicide, basically. But there you go. Um, anyway, we shall move on. Um, we, we had a chat in, in part one about, about Gus and, and what's going on. And, um, you know, and, and I, I, do, I do feel... I feel a bit dirty, actually. I feel a bit naughty for moaning and being miserable about about Saturday and, and a little bit about Norwich, um, because you know there's a very a very good argument. I mean, you know, there was no argument to be had. It was clear what he was trying to do on Saturday. You know, Costa was rested. I know Costa had a little bit of an injury concern, but they were clearly resting him with PSG in mind. Uh, Fabregas didn't start. You know, hitting was, uh, Hazard was taken off after only an hour. So, so clearly he was saving players, and I think that that possibly more than anything explains the substitutes, doesn't it, uh, Dan? Oh, 100%. I mean, as soon as I saw the team, I thought, well, this has got PSG in mind. Mm. You know, had, had it been a league game, had it had some importance, Costa would have played. I, I don't believe for one minute that there's anything more than a, 
you know, a, a tactical injury, shall we say. But this top four is not going to happen. Top six, very unlikely. So our, our best route, if we want to get back into Europe, is Champions League and, and the FA Cup. So I, I, I understand where he's coming from and I probably would do the same in his shoes. So, so you, you think he's absolutely prioritising the FA Cup and the Champions League over the Premier League then, don't you? 100%. 100%. You can tell by the team. I mean, you don't leave your best striker and you'll arguably your most creative midfielder you know, on the bench if you if you haven't got Wednesday night in mind. Okay. And it, you know, a lot of top clubs do. If they've got important chance. Look at the um, City in the FA Cup. What they did before they played Kia, they played 10 kids. PSG so, did it as well. Yeah, you prioritise. I think, you know, you prioritise your games. I think we had enough there to potentially be extended, but certainly not to lose. And we'll see what happens. Listen, if we go out on Wednesday and we lose to Everton, we'll probably see a very different... Um, who's our next game after... Uh, Liverpool, West, well, Ham. West Ham, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You'll see, yeah. You know, if, we, if we get out of both competitions before West Ham, you'll probably see a very strong team between now and the end of the season yeah. attempt to try and get top six. I mean, in a way, it's fair enough. But, I mean, Tony, actually, something came to my head while Dan was saying that. But uh, I think that I, there's a, I have a feeling that, you know, particularly Mourinho, we, we never used to do that. We wouldn't dump out on a competition and prioritise. We'd try and win them all until it was completely impossible. So... I ask you, Tony, is he right to do that? Uh, this season, yes. Any other season, I'd say no. Um, but this season, any other season, the reason I'd say no is, what's the point of being in the competition if you're not going to try and win it? Okay, mm. get in there, kick the shit out of every other team and try and win it. However, Gus is clearly in for a bit of damage limitation. Um, I think I agree with Dan. Um, fourth place, no. And I think that finally went on Saturday yeah, after the Stoke draw. Um, sixth place, I'm not sure I want, but um, as Clayton Beerman sort of said to me on Twitter, uh, at Goldie59, you know, if you win, you know, if, if you were to win the um, the FA Cup, you're going to end up with the Europa League. Yeah. So would you rather that or sixth place? Well, I'd rather have the FA Cup, thanks, because it's a yeah. trophy and I'll worry about the Europa League next year because well, I don't have to worry about it this year. You know, I, I I treasure the FA Cup, and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about Osgood later on because that's when it all happened for me. Yeah. Um. So yes, I think in this particular, as a one-off this year, absolutely do what you can. Gus got very very close last time to the Champions League final, and we you know we were robbed. We all know that everyone <laughs> that's in Mixler and everyone that's on this podcast at the moment knows we were robbed that night. Um. But he took us to an FA Cup. Um. I think this is it would be a tougher ask, not the FA Cup necessarily, but certainly the Champions League because Barcelona and Bayern are, are, are patently on a different level to most other teams. However, we are right to have a go. Yeah. And, and sacrifice the Premier League for a year. Look, I don't think it would it hurt United financially, and I think with a benef- you know with, with our benefactor behind us, I really think we can ride out a year, possibly two out of the Champions League, but certainly a year. It's it's really interesting. I mean, you know, frankly, I, I agree because, you know, I don't think we are sacrificing the Premier League because that's gone. You know, I, I think even even fourth place is gone for the Premier League, although we got a sniff of it last week. Um, and, you know, the most I mean, I know it seems a bit preposterous and perhaps a little unrealistic to, to say this, but our best chance of getting in the Champions League next year is, is, is to win it, Jonathan. But of course, the corollary of that—I just—I it kind of occurred. It occurred to me that maybe Gus is actually trying to avoid qualifying for the Europa League until I remembered that if we win the FA Cup, we qualify for it anyway. But I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, you know, dare we dream about the Champions League? And and I think more to the point, Jonathan. You know, what is wrong with the Europa League? I I personally don't have a problem with it. 
Well, it would be a perfect opportunity to give all the kids a go, wouldn't it? Absolutely. To get some of the low knees back. That would be a very good idea. Um, uh, Wednesday is the big, the big um, litmus test, isn't it? You know, let's if if, if they get through that, um, uh, if 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 we perform out of our skins on Wednesday, and and it's in, if if JT, were, I'd have more confidence if JT was back and fit, because then uh, um, we wouldn't have Baba playing. Um, who, though he, he did pretty well in the uh, the away leg, I, do, I just think he's he's not confident enough. Um, he plays in sort of flashes. You think actually he's not bad, and then he'll do something like he did on on Saturday, which was just completely take his eye off the ball. And uh, when it's been passed to him, and it goes out for a throw, and he does that thing of of hiding his head in his shirt. Well, you know what, Jonathan? I mean, I think we—I'm not sure if we did touch on this last week or not. I, I suspect we probably did, but I, you know, I, I think I think that uh, Baba's got a—it's a mental issue with him. I actually think he's a good player. I really do. But when, when he does something wrong, his head goes. You know, it absolutely. You can see goes. it. I agree completely. You can see it. He, he loses confidence, and the next thing he does is 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 poor as well. Is poor as well. Poor, so, very well. poor. Really poor. So uh, no, I'm. I'm. I just hope if he does play, that he raises his game because he played pretty well in uh, in the um, in France in Paris. Um, but if 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 JT was uh, was, but which I don't think he will be because I don't think he's been. According <coughs> no, he, to he's out. Figures, I think from what I hear, he's out. His ear. He's not yeah. been. He's not been stretching properly. He's been just just jogging. So in which case, um, it will need a, a an out of this world performance from. From Gary Cahill and uh, and, and Brano Ivanovic, which Look, I think they're they're very capable of at centre half, and it I, also depends. Does he play? Will he play Matic and um, and um, Mikel uh, together, mm. or will he be more attacking? And by the way, what's happened to Pedro? Is Pedro still injured? Yeah, yeah, he's out for ages because he's got a hammy. I'm going to go back to the 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 the, uh, the. I'm going to do it in a minute rather than wait till the end to talk about PSG because we're clearly talking about it now. But Dan has done the kind of virtual equivalent of putting his hand up like we used to do in the show of old. And he's texted. He, he texted me. Oh, yeah. sweet. He hasn't yeah. figured out that all he has to do is to message me on Skype. But um, the text oh. worked very well, Dan, because Dan has got a point to make about the Europa League. Yeah, I think it's, well, two, 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 two things. Firstly, it's another way to get the Champions League for next season because the winner gets a Champions League spot. Se- secondly, it's, it's, it's kind of it's like the FA Cup, League Cup in England. You know, FA Cup, everyone loves League Cup. It's a bit per unless you win it. And in fairness, I went to all the games after we went out of the Champions League last time. And it was actually quite good fun. And we got a final in Amsterdam. It's, you know, it's, it's a European trophy. Okay, it's not as great as the Champions League. But it's something if you're in it, as, as Tony said, if you're in it, you've got to try and win it. I mean, Dan, I, I, can, I can answer that. And, and agree with you entirely on that. I mean, we're Chelsea. We love European competitions, yeah. and I don't care if it was called the, you know, the Dodo, Pluto, and Mickey Mouse Europa Cup. I would still, if we were in it, I would want Chelsea to win it. And you know, so many Chelsea supporters love going abroad oh, to totally. watch matches. They particularly love going to places that they've not been before, against playing against teams they've not played before. You know, I, I, I think, you know, daft trophies and competitions are very Chelsea particularly totally. when they're in Europe I mean remember yeah. remember the Anglo-French trophy the Cross Channel Cup I embrace Channel, that uh, Cross Channel Cup or whatever it was called Le Havre on a Sunday morning that's doesn't right it, that doesn't get better than that seriously it's, it's very Chelsea we, we, <laughs> we don't we don't have any we don't have any pride quite like that yeah. so I, I'm all for it um, but I just want I want to go back to the um, you know to because we were kind of almost in the, in, the, in the throes of talking about uh, PSG and Jonathan's you know, already ruminated on 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 it, it possibly being quite tough. I mean, my own view on this is that it's it's going to be it is going to be very tough. 
I think it all really depends on whether we concede. If we if we can keep them out, then I think we've got a chance. But the trouble is, I just can't see us doing that. Tony, what do you reckon? <coughs> well, well, the first thing I want to say is about just I just want to add my little bit about the Europa League. We're the only team from this. We're the only team in London with the Europa League. Doesn't really scare, yeah, does it? But we're the only ones that's taken it seriously when we've yeah. gone into it. Yeah. We're the only ones that went and try and win it. Like, you know, I can't think back to Everton, I think, before that were the last ones to get to a final there. Um, and Pat Fulham. Nevis himself Fulham. said, you know, oh, Fulham, Fulham was it? Sorry. You know, I would say that Pat Nevin himself said, we, we are one of the few countries that seem to just dismiss this out of hand. Um, its predecessor, the European Cup Winners' Cup, I remember, I remember beating Real Madrid in the final with a two-day gap. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And the reception that Chelsea got back in England after that, especially from the Chelsea fans, was just enormous. It wasn't seen as a second-string competition then. The Champions League, of course, has changed everything uh, on on that front or whatever. But, you know, it really was... It meant something. And, you know, at the end of the day, I I want to see a bowed piece of wood in a room with more trophies on it. Yeah, right. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm, I'm privileged to know two people who were not just at the first match in Athens, but stayed... For the sec for their second one, when we actually won it, uh, one of whom is a great friend of mine who and, it, and it, he was only about sixteen, seventeen, and it took him two weeks to hitch back. Cool. You know, and see and that's they, proper. Yeah, and they all slept on the beach and got drunk with the players before the before the second game. I should <laughs> for the second. Well, yeah. all the Chelsea players got pissed after the match, and they just carried yeah. on drinking for the next day. I mean, it's so Chelsea. It's a proper proper match. But Tony, do you do you think we can do you think we can do PSG on Wednesday? Yes, but. I think it will be on the one nil basis, um, rather than a three two. Well, we don't want that anyway. Or a four two or a two nil. Um, my worry is is this complete inability to keep a clean sheet at home. Um, I think it was um, one of the other cup games, wasn't it? I think where we kept a clean sheet, but pretty much every game. Yeah, Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe. Yeah. Uh, Scunthorpe was it? Yeah. And that, that's a real worry. Now, you know, it's no better or worse than when JT's in the team, in my view. Um, we've been conceding goals, and I know we've got um, Cortez coming up later on. Mm. Um, but I would, I, I would, that's a worry for me because if PS, PSG look like um, a, you know a team that are going to come at us, and I would, I, I, do you know what I'd like to see, Chidge, and 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 Dan and and JK, I would like us to come out like we did against Barcelona. All them, do you remember them years yeah. ago? We were four nil yeah. up, yeah. nil up. Robin right. Cole and Kajansen's first 20 yes. minutes. It's some of the best, best half an hour football I've seen for ages. I couldn't agree more, Dan. Yeah. And it was, the stadium was like a cauldron. Absolutely. It was almost Galatasaray-like, you know, the sheer noise. And the Barcelona players have patently never been that close to a fan in their life. Mm. You know, haven't been spoilt in the Camp Nou or whatever it is. Um, and, and I just would love us to come. Because I think if we went at them, if we got an early goal um, and and didn't do this thing of sitting back and let's try and consolidate it and be calm. Played a bit of English football and actually went at them. Did a bit of a Leicester on them, if you like, for want of a better phrase. I think they'd collapse. I think they'd shit themselves and they wouldn't know what hit them. The thing, the thing that worries me about Not that, very Tony... Stage, but, you know. No, no, I love it. I know <laughs> I would. To- I totally endorse that. But what worries me is that we can, we can neither play like old Chelsea, which is to keep people out and park the bus and defend stoically, nor can we attack people... You know, with five or six players running at a defence, you know, in in the way that we we remember from that Barcelona game, because what will happen 
is that either somebody will make a complete Horlix because they'll be monstrously out of position at the back, mm. or we'll hurtle up to the 18-yard line and then we'll pass it sideways, and then we'll pass it sideways again, and then we'll pass it sideways again just for yeah. fun, and then we'll pass it back. But can I just say, Chich, that's how we went out last year, wasn't it? Oh, well, we yeah. went out in a, in a, in a puff rather yeah. you know I would rather a bit of blood and guts so would I but I don't see how that's yeah. going to happen I don't think we have the players I know. for that it's, I, I guess it's the kind of romanticist within me that says you know and, and, and I think to myself go out and if we get hammered we get hammered go at them don't do an Arsenal don't do what other teams do you know just just go, try and do something different because they, they'll probably be expecting us to play with caution and calmness and all this sort of stuff it's just, you know, um, like I said, slightly romantic view, but... Listen, one, one thing I will say, one thing I will say from the first leg is that when when we did have a go at them in the second half, they looked as vulnerable at the back as we did, and I think that they can be got at. So, I, I like you, I hope that we go a bit gung-ho. But just to kind of bring it back to, you know, the events of, uh, of last week, um, we cannot let this show go past without going... Oh, Bertrand Traore! What an absolutely, what an absolutely stunning goal, Jonathan! You must have had a good view of that. Very good view, mm. very good view. Yeah, and um, uh, um, and they like I like the fact that they're playing it back on the screen a few times now yeah. as well. Yeah. So you get it from practically every angle. Um, yeah, wonderful. <clears throat> but considering also that he'd been very, very poor for fifteen minutes, and he'd looked, uh, he'd looked off the off the pace, and he'd. He'd, he'd missed the ball for that other other cross, and he just didn't look 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 at, at the races. And then suddenly uh, he scored the goal, and his co- his confidence was there. And you thought, actually, he's a pretty good player, isn't he? I, I like the <laughs> fact that he's he's been given the opportunity by Goose. So I just like I say also, um, you have to remember that in in Goose's first incarnation, the way that he dealt with um, uh, with Barcelona uh, away. Um, which was to put Essien at right back, if you remember. Yeah. To, I think I've said this before, to deal with the fullback. You, you never know what he might come up with. He is a master ta- tactician. He's a Dutch master, Goose. in fact. He, he, yes, he, he, he is. He is. <laughs> so, uh, so I think we might. There might be something. You know, we might be surprised. We might actually start going for them. We might. We might come out very, very. Yeah. Uh, very, very strong. Listen, I'm not, I'm not I, I wanna, sure we will be sitting back and, and, and patting the ball around. I, I wanna, don't think I, that's going to happen. I, I, well, we, we shall see, and I, and I really hope so. Listen, going back to Troy because I thought you made yeah. a really interesting point there. Yeah. Um, first of all, actually, no, I'm going to do this first. I mean, he scored five goals. His goals per game or minute ratio must be astonishing at the moment. But what I'm... I, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily a striker who can play up on his own. I don't think he's physical enough. I'm not sure if he's a play, you know, off-the-shoulder player or playing-to-feet player. Um, so I have my reservations about, you know, can he carry the line with Chelsea, particularly when they play, you know, 4-2-3-1. But um, what I really love most about Bertrand Traore is this kid plays without fear. That's how I want to see a kid play, you know. And, and I think, actually, when it works well with kids... That's how they do play. They're only 19, 20. They don't, they don't realise the enormity of what they're doing. They just go and play. And he strikes me as that kind of player, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. No, I, 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 it was interesting how um, I don't quite know, as you, as you said, where he, will, where he could play because um, Jose would never play him in the middle, would he? He always played him out on the wing. Or, or and, in defence. Uh, or, yeah, or, 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 or coming back to defend. But... Uh, um, because well, you said you didn't think that he could actually 
manage on his own up there just to but he's pretty quick and i just think we've got well this is the we've got, yeah, but this, we've got but... something to see yet you know i think he hasn't developed i think we're going to see him develop into a a, a really really competent player in every area there well let, let's say mm. what, what what i really meant by that was that he, he's clearly not a big physical striker that's no not, indeed he's not going to be he's not going to be holding the ball he's up not going to hold the game up no no indeed um, indeed but uh, cle- in terms of in terms of the current hang on hang on he's not that kind of player he's quick which is what you say and i agree with that so you would imagine he's you know you play the ball in through the channels he's off the shoulder well, he's a perfect modern modern striker yeah. isn't he he's yeah. a he's a he's a vardy like in that he's just sprinting onto every but ball you know what is, mate yeah. he can bloody finish i mean he yeah, scored, a hatful, of go- shot, yeah, scored yeah. a hatful of goals for for vitesse and and i don't care if, if if a striker sits on his ass and picks his nose for most of the game if he can score a goal like that you know that's what you want strikers yeah. to do, and I, I, I was so pleased. And it's the really interesting thing, Jonathan, the lads in front of me, uh, they thought he'd, he'd shanked it, and I said, "No way!" He put his foot through that, and then of course, they, as you said, they showed the replay afterwards, and you saw he absolutely put his foot through. It was wonderful. They, wonderful they seem to have a, um, a, a camera now for every angle yeah. for that, actually, and they have the, the final one always is the one right on top of the player actually kicking it. You think, "Oh, bloody hell, that was a good strike, wasn't it?" Because I yeah. agree with you. Initially, I thought, "Oh, he's he's, he's he's not hit it right." I thought it was. I thought it was going to go past the post as well, but uh, no, terrific, terrific Good stuff. Strike. I've got a lovely post from Mr. John Chips Chiverton, who says he's so pleased he's a Dutch master and not a Dutch cap. If he plays for England, he might be. Yeah, for those of us who are old enough, uh, they probably remember Derek and Clive. Uh, yes, and there was indeed. a song that they sang, which I can't sing all of it, but it started with "I knew a lady from Amsterdam." Just Google it, people. Yeah. You won't, you won't regret yeah. it. Um, is he Burkina Faso? Is that what he he's Burkina. Or? He's, he's yeah. very Burkina Faso, mate. Yeah, I think he's a. And also, kind of like Jonathan said, he he got himself in the box and missed the chance. He was there. He kind of, although he missed it, he made the run to get into the box. So those, those are encouraging signs. And I wonder if he might end up being a bit like an Elka. Mm, like, I wonder. Yeah, that's a good point. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I took your point. You yeah. did. You've Apologies. stolen it right from underneath my nose. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this, hap- this, this happens all the time on on the show, Tony. You see, now you realise that when whenever, you know, I, I, you know, all the funny things are really just me. It's just whenever anybody else says something funny, they've stolen it from me. That's that's really what happens. <laughs> I, I have a bunch of notes here that I always want to say, and then Chidge immediately says it. This I is go, this oh. is all not true. This is all not true. Anyway, Great, listen, I, this is something that will 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 surely cheer Jonathan up. Not that he needs it at all, but. I think I think the the antithesis in my head to uh, Triore uh, is I'm afraid um, Ruben Loftus Cheek, who I who I, I desperately want to succeed. Oh. I think every we all che- want him to succeed. Yeah. Every, we all do. Every we all che- want him to. Exactly. Every Chelsea supporter is desperate for him to succeed. I think the club are desperate for him to succeed. Um, but you know the, the way he plays, um, he just he just looks like he's playing with the weight of expectation mm. on him. He, he, he looked out of his depth. He looks like he's playing with fear. Here's a question for Dan. Yeah. Um, one, are, one has to ask this question: Is he is he is he shit lazy, or has he been ruined by Jose? Uh, I think the expectation he had at the start of the season was very different to what happened because I think Jose made a big deal last season that Ruben was going to be the man who's going to come and he's going to play a lot of games, and he had a, a mickey poor half early in the season, and he, and he got he got. Yeah, it's off by Jose, and he hasn't played the same. But my my thought is, as much as Troy's play with freedom and happiness, he's got no pressure on him. Whereas mm. everyone is banging a lot of cheek drum, you know, on Twitter, on 
social media, everything. They all want him to succeed. And he, he must know about it. It's, you come on, you get a chance. And it's the pressure on that, that that guy's shoulders must be unbearable because he's he comes in. Oh, it's Ruben, it's Ruben. Woo woo! Everyone gets excited. Uh, I think he needs he needs to. You know, I don't know. Just pressure, pressure, pressure. Whereas Toure is like you know he comes in, scores goals, big happy smiley face. It's not it's not the same kind of loft to cheek love because he's come from what ten year old he joined the club. He's been here ten years. He's get, he gets a chance, and I think he panics. I think he goes, oh, I don't want to make a mistake, but yeah. then I don't want to show what I've got. He well, has I... got ability. He has got talent. There are question marks about his um, what's called stamina, where he can actually last ninety minutes. So he's not by any means a complete article. Mm. But I really, well, of course not. Yeah, and I'd like to see him get a few. If we just say worst case scenario, we're at the FA Cup, we're at the Champions League by next Monday. I would like to see him get nine games at the end of the season in a starting position. I mean, I don't know what his best position is. Well, I mean, actually, you know, Dan, you've hit the nail on the head there. And, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think this is half the problem. But the thing is, I don't I don't know what his best position is because no. I've never really watched him enough. Well, but I, I have found a... himself in front of Remy at some at one stage towards the end of the game when yeah. he was playing striker. Well, yeah. I, I so, thought... so was I, Jonathan. It doesn't say much. <laughs> but, I mean, Tony, Tony do, you, do you have any idea? I mean, I just don't know. I don't watch any youth football because I don't have Chelsea TV, blah, 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 blah. So... I mean, I, I don't know what his best position is, but I have a, a nagging suspicion that no manager at Chelsea thus far in his career have actually played him in that position. And that's pretty true. So one of the guys I travel up with, um, he watches everything. He watches Chelsea TV from morning through to the end of the day. And he does say that um, Loftus-Cheek has yet to be played um, in, in his right position. Now, part and parcel, we all know the modern footballer has to be um, a utility player to a degree. They have to be able to sort of slot in and, and do things that they're not, maybe not be their preferable position. Now, if you're young and hungry and ambitious, you won't give a crap about that. You'll just be happy putting your boots on and going out on the pitch, I would think. Um, and that's where I think Traore and Kennedy's seems to have a bit of that attitude. He's not a left-back, but he goes out there and he does a bloody good job when he plays his left-back um, and gets forward. So playing with that, um, and I mean it in the nicest sense, but they've got, they're playing with a sort of gay abandon, those young ones. Mm. Rubens Loftus-Cheek, on the other hand, um, has got a slightly awkward gait. Well, maybe that's just me in the way he runs. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't um, run like a duck like Fabregas does, to be fair. <laughs> no, I suppose not. Mm. Um, but secondly, uh, you know, he he gave the ball out, uh, gave the ball up a few times on Saturday, and didn't even didn't chase back. Now that may be what Jose was alluding to. I don't know. The idea that he's been ruined by Jose, I, I'm not buying that one at all. Um, Jose's gone. He should if he if he was ruined by Jose, he should have been popping a champagne cork the day Jose went and saying, right, yeah. now watch me go. <clears throat> You, uh, how old are you, 18, 19? 19, 19, I think he just turned 20. So it's turned 20, right? Yeah. At 20 years old, if a boss I was working for and I hated went, I'd have been happy as Larry and I'd have absolutely lifted everything I'd got and, and put it into that job. And for me, no one person, and, you know, Chidge and I of a certain age, um, you know, we're obviously not nippers like you, Dan, and, and I, I, I don't even begin to... Jonathan's only Jake. 23. Jonathan's only 23. I will reveal how, <laughs> I'll reveal how old I am in the, but, when we start talking about Peter Osborne. Yeah. Right. The point is, Chidge and, uh, uh, and most people on the Mixler will have worked for somebody who's tried to undermine them, humiliate them or whatever. It's quite often been... I have been that man, in fact. Yeah, you? but as it, is it, does it ruin you really at 20 years old? Man up, if that's what, you, if, if that, uh, if that's what your problem listen, was. Do you, know what, do, you know what, do you know what occurs to me about Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Uh, and it, it reminds me of, of players who, who get a chance to play for England 
who've shown a lot of... T- I mean, this hasn't happened with him, I know, but they've shown a lot of talent playing for their club, and they clearly look a player. And they play for England, and the first thing that happens is they get squeezed into a formation that doesn't suit them, and they get played completely out of position, and they look utter shit. And mm. I just kind of wonder if it's the same kind of syndrome, Dan. It's possible. Um, I mean, disagreeing with Tony, I think a lot of the issues with Matic might be related to Jose. Because if someone does destroy you mentally, it's not, oh, he's gone, I'm going to recover straight away. So I think that's part of Matic's problem because I think you know getting hooked against Southampton. I know I'm digressing completely here. I think there was a lot of bad blood going on the first half of the season. I think Loftus Cheek needs games. I don't think 40 minutes here, 20 minutes there helps him. He needs to have a run of games in the team alongside like a Mikel who's got the experience. And let's see what he can do because you know half an hour here, 15 minutes here, yeah. 45 minutes there. You don't you don't yeah. really. Can, can, I just, can I just put a caveat in there, though? I'm, a, I'm quick, actually, a quick and final one, Tony. A quick and final one, which is don't get rid of him because we're we're too trigger-happy with mm. players who are out of form. You know, Quadrado, one of the worst I've ever seen, but I'd have given him another go. Yeah, so would you I. Know, I mean... He's obviously doing okay at Juve or wherever it is he is. So, you know, for me, it's not about getting rid of him. Uh, and maybe that would be the role that, um, uh, that Goose could play, that arm-round you know, bring that player on so that Conti or whoever knows they're getting someone, you know, if his confidence is that fragile, he's not going to make a top footballer well, at any club. Very true. Salah, Salah is another player like that, isn't he? He's doing very well playing. Who does he play for? Fiorentina, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. He's a physical he's specimen, Loftus-Cheek, so he's got he's got all the traits to be a, a top player. I mean, you look at the size of him, his build, his muscular... He's so got to make an got... effort, though, Dan. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he's, he's... I agree completely about that business. Of, I actually shouted at him. I said, make an effort because he, yes. that thing, he, he didn't run back after he'd lost the ball. Exactly. He doesn't run back. He doesn't seem to be interested. That, that's what I can't stand. I mean, you know, you compare him with somebody like, I'm, I'm just a great fan of Mickey Thomas. I thought he was one of the great players of Chelsea. Loved him. Played for Chelsea. Mm. But the effort he put in, yeah. non-stop, running at everything. And Johnny Bumpstead was the same. The effort. The 100% effort man, Jonathan. You can forgive anything from a player if they make an effort, even though they yeah. might, might not make the tackle. OK, they but Jonathan, is... Jonathan, here's yeah. a question for you, right? Because you're like me and Tony, I'm not sure about Dan, but certainly though you two, I know, are big cricket fans. And um, it reminds me of what people used to say about David Gower. You know, oh, he's lazy. He he doesn't care about it. He plays shots that you know shouldn't play. Mm. You know, and I wonder if you know if 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 Chick really is that lazy. It's just as as you were alluding to. He's got a peculiar gait which makes him look about lazy. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna shut you off now because we are gonna go to a break. But the one yeah. thing I will say is that I'm glad, Jonathan, that you're still being so polite when you shout at the players. Because I have to admit that there was a point in the game, <laughs> there was a point in the game where Matic went on a run, and clearly should have passed it at least five times before he eventually lost the ball. At which point I stood up and said, "Matic, fucking pass it, you long lanky streak of piss!" Very yes. loudly. Well, I just said to Loftus Cheek, "For goodness' sake, for goodness' sake, get back!" <laughs> You're so lovely in the East Upper. Right, I've got to. Uh, we've got to go to a break, but afterwards, I can't wait for this. Uh, and, and perhaps we should have done it last Saturday, uh, last Monday. Maybe that would have been more appropriate. But hey, we're doing it now, and that's probably just as good. But we're going to be remembering the King of Stamford Bridge, uh, Peter Aussie Osgood. <coughs> Uh, of course, it was the anniversary of his te- uh, death uh, 10 years ago uh, last week. Uh, we're also going to be having a chat about that meeting that the uh, Big Five had about uh, a European Super League or who knows what. And we'll also be musing over some potential ideas for the new Stamford Bridge Gates. Uh, we will see you in a second.
real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. I am Sanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. And we have the uh, the, the wonderful Jonathan Kidd, who has revealed that he is going to be going up to the nets at Lords uh, for for a net. In fact, after the show, uh, hopefully uh, he's expecting to go to the T Twenty World Cup. Is that right, Jonathan? Well, in my youth, Chidge, but uh, I've got too many injuries now. I've got too many niggles, you know. Right, I've just also got to announce. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to a full report after that, and I'm actually very envious that you're netting at Lords. Uh, we've also got the lovely Dan Silver in the house. Evening, chat. Marvelous, and we've got the Reverend Tony Glover, star of Stage Screen and the Podding Shed. <laughs> Buona sera. Buona sera. Now, um, Mark, of course, because uh, he knows clearly that I drink too much and therefore have a memory like a goldfish, he's reminded me, and I, now I'm remembering totally, it was the Ian Britton Benefit gig at, uh, I can't remember the name of the pub, but it's near where Mark Worrell lives. It's a big, big, big old pub, and it was a fantastic do. had a whole, I mean, I mean, actually really appropriate, Mark, for what we're about to talk about, because it had some wonderful, wonderful players from the uh, from the 70s there, all... Uh, you know, and actually, Ian Britton himself was there, but all kind of trying to raise some money for Ian, who's sadly not very well at the moment. Wasn't Has that he got right? The same Mark? haircut, Chidge. Well, Ian, no, 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 bless him. No, it's it's cut quite properly now. You know, oh. it doesn't look like that weird barnet that he used to have. Um, but Johnny Bumpster was there. Gary Stanley, Gary Chivers. Who else was there? Cundy, Canners, Kerry. I mean, you, know, Ray Wilkins. David Lee. David Lee. No, no, I don't think Rodgers was there, but um, Ray Lewington was there. Oh. interestingly enough but it was a really really good away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com Chidge. jk in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. 
do. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, Mark, Hillary? yeah. Uh, no, I can't remember, mate. Right, we should oh. get on. We should get on talking about what we're here to talk about. And uh, you know, as we all know, uh, last week was the tenth anniversary of the death of uh, Peter Osgood. Um, Loved by everybody at Stamford Bridge, one of the original kings of the King's Road, the King of Stamford Bridge. Born is the King. Um, now, first of all, I have to applaud uh, Rory and the Chelsea Fans Channel boys because I thought that their uh, their display at Norwich was lovely. They had a little kind of tribute to Peter Osgood there. I'm sure people saw pictures of that. Um, but I thought it was even... I had no idea this was happening, which is amazing, considering that I'd actually seen Richard Weeks, who is in the house tonight, as We Are The Shed. He's in there, uh, in Mixler. Um, but it was his lot who did this. Uh, and I'd, I'd seen him at the, at the Supporters' Trust meeting in the morning. But uh, I was just delighted to see that huge, great big Osgood number nine. Wonderful. In the shed end. Uh, wasn't it fantastic, Jonathan? Wonderful. Yeah, so tribute. actually, we're going to do our own little uh, Chelsea fan cast round of applause to uh, to Richard and yeah, all the boys. A, yeah. a, a line of the song up on the uh, yeah, on the, yeah. On the shed, wasn't there? there Out was of a, the shed uh, came uh, a rising young star. Yeah, scoring yeah, yeah. goals past Pat Jennings from near and from far. Yes, indeed. And Chelsea scored like we all knew that we would. And the star of that great was team it? was the, Peter Osgood. With Osgood, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah See yeah, what they yeah. should have done? They could have had that all the way round, couldn't they? You'd have thought they'd have, uh, you know, well... Could, could you know. not afford it, Richard? Is that, are you being tight or something? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, the bottom line is this. Um, in, I mean, here we go. I, I, I wasn't really old enough, quite. I, I, I saw Peter Osgood play live once, and it was for Southampton at Stamford Bridge, would you believe, in a cup semi-final, which is the first time I ever went to Stamford Bridge. So I don't really know. Um, Dan... Is younger than me, so I'd be amazed if you saw him play. Did you see? No, him? no. I, I never did. It was one of my dad's all-time favorite players. He loved Osgood, just absolutely worshipped him. It was him and Jimmy Greaves were his two his two players, and Charlie Cook. Because yeah. I remember, I remember I was driving to work when I heard that Osgood died. I phoned my dad. He was he was absolutely devastated. So you you were too young to see him play live. Yeah. I, I, so I reckon out of the four of us, only Tony, and I know Jonathan <laughs> definitely is old enough to have seen him play, but Tony, you, you were old enough to see him play live, weren't you? Indeed. Yeah, and it go. was, um, you know, he was part of that original um, 1970 FA Cup side. Um, when I, I was a young lad that didn't have a club, um, guided by my dad for that one game versus Leeds. Uh, and within a week... Um, had a bedroom plastered with pictures of all of that team, you know, um, Hutchinson, Bonetti, all heroes um, for me, every single one of them. Um, Peter Osgood, um, you know, you know, they say you remember where you were when Kennedy was shot and yeah. various things like that. I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news that Peter Osgood had died at work, about going to a meeting with um, Cable and Wireless. And the Cable and Wireless account manager said, you must be absolutely gutted, mate. I went, what? And he said, Peter Osgood. And I went, what? And he said, he's died. And I went, fuck off, like, you know. Um, uh, I said, can you kind of just have five minutes? Just go out and, you know, get it up and try and get the internet on my phone or whatever and find out about it. Uh, and there it was. And I, I threw that at the meeting. I could basically barely speak. Because in the back of my mind, I was thinking, this can't be true. It just cannot be true. Um, but my, and I, I, I don't want, I'm not going to hog this, but very quickly, I think I told you this in the, in the pub, Chidge, my abiding memory was the replay at um, Old Trafford for the cup final against Leeds, again, about three days after the draw at Wembley. Um, I, you know, uh, I'm a nine, ten-year-old boy, 
in pieces, 12 minutes to go, um, crying because my team were going to lose to so them loathsome Leeds United, as, as I used to call them. Dirty Leeds. Dirty Leeds. And uh, I had a little thing with my dad, which was, I'd take my dad, can I have two biscuits as a treat? And I'd go out into the kitchen and actually take four or five, you know, and push them in pyjama pockets and all this sort of thing. <laughs> and when I was out there, um, uh, I, I heard an almighty yell, which nowadays you'd probably think, oh my God, what's happened to dad, you know? <laughs> Um, and I, I sort of ran back in the room and he was, I jumped up and down, bearing in mind this was 1970, and he was going, fucking Osgood. Now, that was a bad, bad word then. <laughs> okay. My dad just said the F word. But the joy was just overwhelming. And of course, we stuck through it, won it. And, you know, that was Chelsea permanently. You know, they were tattooed in my soul from that point onwards because of his equaliser against Leeds United that night. And, and I wrote on the day after his death on our old blog which we used to write years ago Chelsea FC blog um, and the Guardian published it um, because I wrote so much from the actual heart you know I'm getting quite emotional now just thinking about it yeah that's lovely well there you go <laughs> right now Jonathan is actually he's not really 23 he is in fact he is the equivalent of Methuselah in the in Chelsea fancast term but Jonathan I'm afraid Chidge, I was present at his debut well there we go Blimey, which was quite Workington. a game, wasn't it? It was quite Workington in the League Cup. And he was... nearly scored them both. Yeah. I was there. I have the programme. Yeah. I have to say that's the only proof I have that I was there because I've got the programme. I don't remember at all. I was too little. Yeah. But, um, uh, and I, I remember going to, um, it was mentioned in the programme uh, uh, at, the, at the weekend, um, to an, another game where um, he was on instead of Barry Bridges. And... Uh, uh, Barry Bridges was a substitute and uh, he wasn't doing very well. Um, you know, he hardly played any games. And what was he? He was 18. And uh, and everybody shouted out for Bridges. And I, can't, I think vaguely that everybody just went, Bridges, Bridges, Bridges. Because chants for the players weren't really very developed in 19, <laughs> 1965. So uh, I think that was as basic as you got, actually, for that one. And uh, what was that other great song that nobody seems to remember that I remember, which was... Uh, who are the ones to set him alight? We're the ones to set him alight. Chelsea. And I've mentioned <laughs> uh, that to a few people who've said to me, you're mad. There was never a chant like that. I well, said, we'll, no, we'll, we'll take, uh, well, A, we'll take that to the uh, atmosphere committee, I think, next week and insist that it, it comes back. But of course, it my fact. As, as, as with, ooh, it's a corner. Ooh, it's a corner. Ooh, it's a corner. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I, yeah, I, was... Do you know what, Jonathan, I've got, a, got a, sorry to interrupt you for this, but, but yeah, when, yeah. when you say, saying, ooh, it's a corner, do you know who I have in my head? Tell me. That bloke from Are You Being Served? <laughs> what, John, John Inman. Inman. Ooh, it's a corner. Ooh, ooh. ooh it's a corner. Ooh, it's a corner. Ooh, it's a corner. It no, it's, it's got that it's, ring about it, hasn't it's it? It's sounding more and more disgusting every Jonathan, time you we say Jonathan, we should shut up, shut, up going for, shut, shut up going for easy gags because you're the only person really around the table who I can ask and say, how good was Peter Osgood? You saw him play more times than all of us. Well, the problem was, was, was the team was very good. And uh, Barry Bridges was my favourite player at the time. I met him in the Cop Tavern the other week. Oh, did you? I was with you, Chich. Yeah, there you go. I'd love to have met him. He he became a news agent, didn't he, in Brighton, I think. Um, But he, when he scored, he used to. They used to put him through. He was terribly good. He was very, very quick, and uh, he had slightly one one looked like a. uh, He had a sort of gait like a cowboy. His one leg was slightly in on the other. Looked as if he'd been, you know, he'd look good in a pair of. Well, Emlyn Hughes had. Damn near kicked it off. Probably, that's probably what, probably what it was. But he used to he used to be put through and always beat and then beat the goalkeeper and put the ball put the ball in the goal and then come back punching the air. And that was my favourite thing. If ever I scored a goal, you always leapt up and punched the air, bridges like. But um, 
Um, Oscar, when he initially played, um, when he was 18, he was much quicker. Then, of course, he broke his leg. Yeah. And, uh, and he seemed to sit back more into midfield. But I, you, you sort of, you noticed him as being part of the team. It was a very good team. So, um, and obviously he was the star player because he had the great personality uh, and he scored all the goals. He, he had a very good shot. He was very good at just snapshots and volleys. And uh, um, But the, because Cook was there and always providing stuff and he was a great player and a personality and, and Johnny Hollins was just a, a ball of energy, non-stop um, and there's an example of a youth who, who did very well from the moment he came in. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't play with um, with fear at all. Um, uh, and you had Peter Hausman. Everybody got out for a bit. Was a very good centre. He centred the ball beautifully. Hausman, left-footed. He got called Mary for a bit by everybody, which uh, which was very unfair. But um, uh, that, that that nickname, unfortunately, then stuck even when he was playing well. Um, uh, but the, and uh, when when then Hudson came in latterly, and you had a fantastic. Just the ability, the, the passing movements they got up to. And he was very swift, Osgood. Not, not as swift as he had been, I'd say, after he broke his leg. But he was a very elegant elegant footballer as well. And and, and um, uh, could could easily beat sort of three men in a very quick movement and then shoot. was very quick, quick feet. Yeah. Quick, uh, got he, the ball he... out from under his feet very quickly. Um, left foot or right foot. I mean, that, that, and what... also a wonderful header of the ball. He had it all. He had it all, really. didn't he? I mean, that, yeah. it's really interesting to hear. I mean, you, you, know, you saw it live, but I mean, obviously, I've, I've seen loads and loads and loads of footage. Of, I have to say Aussie. another thing, Chidge. Nothing, Chidge. He was a filthy bastard. Oh God! But you had to be in those days you had to, to survive. Be. I mean, if you if you if you watch the you know the the seventy cup final, uh, both of them. Oh God! You know, you see you see how vicious it was. I mean, in fact, he, he didn't he smack Jack Charlton. Yeah, yeah, I think Jack Charlton. He 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 went in late on Jack Charlton, yeah. and then Charlton got up and smacked him. Aye, and the referee just get came your and tackles his in early. You know? Can I say another another match? <clears throat> I saw him. At, I saw him at um, against Roma in the Intercity Fairs Cup, and what I remember, because I, I can't remember these games at all. I just remember incidents, and I remember an incident when Terry Venables, who was a fantastic player, oh God, what a wonderful player. Why we got rid of him, I will never know. Um, uh, played the ball, um, did a free kick where he went, fainted to take the free kick and passed it to the right. And it was then kicked back uh, in front of the goal and side footed in kind of sort of, you know, it, it was a, it was a, a modern free kick, if you like, you know, it was really well worked out. And um, uh, I can't remember who scored. All I, all I can remember is that free kick. And I met him in uh, when I, at um, Monaco when we played Monaco, when Ranieri was still, still manager, God, God save us. And, um, uh, and I, I went up to him and said, uh, I remember, excuse me, Mr. Venables, I'm a Chelsea fan and was in a restaurant and I, I love that free kick. And he went, oh, my God, that wonderful goal. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for remembering that, mate. Thanks. Oh, wow. Brilliant. So uh, I, I interviewed Terry Venables once, but that's a that's a, a story for another night. I mean, what one of the as I said, I mean, I didn't get to see him play live for Chelsea, but I, I've seen so much footage of him playing. And I think Jonathan's absolutely spot on is that. You know, really, as a, as, a, as a striker, he had it all. He had great touch, quick feet, vision. He could pass. He could create. He could score short. He could score long. He could hit. He had a. I mean, we all know he was a great header of the ball. I mean, the the, the winner, well, the equaliser in 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 the replay of the of the cup final. In I was there too. It. I was there. So there we go. I was there with, um, there with my dad. Jonathan, very very quickly, because I really need to talk to Dan and Tony about this. But very very quickly, what's your favourite memory of Peter Osgood? Um, uh, uh, the uh, the the replay cup final goal. Yeah, and you were there. Out. Right, yeah, I was there. I was. Uh, it was down. Uh, Charlie Cook was down below. Centered it. Ten minutes to go, thinking, oh, we're not going to win this. Exactly the same as, as you, Tony. Thinking, yeah. oh God, we're going to. You know, I was I was a youth. What was I? I was fourteen or something. And um, I'd taken the day off off school um, 
and there was a, a cricket trial to get to the first eleven, and uh, and I missed it. Um, and consequently, didn't play the first eleven. Did you? And, did you wear uh, a daily? Did you have a Daily Mirror hat on you at the final? The replay. <laughs> I got hold of a poster that said "Win or lose up the blues." Win or lose up the blues. And I got and I got uh, the car got gobbed on by lead support. Oh well, there's a surprise. With, did with they, what a surprise! Did they come well, after so, you with thy father's gun? <laughs> so whenever we start singing about you know um we, we all hate leads and leads i'm afraid that's the song for they are the team to hate I'm they really are. right listen enough enough because i know we'll, we'll 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 just you and i will we'll we'll just get carried away and i mean dan and tony what i mean dan first what's your favorite memory of ozzy i mean like me you're uh you know you're uh <laughs> I never saw a play, but just hear my dad's stories about him and his ability and what a pleasure it was to see him on the pitch. And I actually met him at Stanford Bridge. I think he was doing hospitality for the club. Um, uh, early 2000s before he died, he was just walking around and you could see everyone just respected him. He was still a huge presence there. He was, he, was a, he was a big, big old unit. And I met him and I just said, oh, you know, I've heard so much about you, but I just love you. And he was such a nice guy, but just really, because obviously I you know, missed out on you know, the 60s, 70s and hear my dad's stories about him. You know the cup final, just what a player he was. That that's my memories of kind of via my dad. I mean, Tony, uh, I'd like to hear your your memory of him too. But I'm going to ask you this question first, which is, uh, and and I think this is a really good question to ask because a lot of young people who listen to this show might wonder what on earth we're going on about when we've got you know we've had players like John Terry, Czech, Drogba, Frank Lampard, and you know they look at look how well they've played and they look at all of the things that they've won and they probably go. But you know what? Are this, what he only he won, he won an FA Cup and a, and a European Cup this Cup for us. But so what? You know why was Peter? Why is Peter Osgood still so important to us? And before you answer that, I'm tempted to say uh, what John Chiverton said, uh, Raquel Welch. But it's not that, <laughs> is it? Really? No. But I mean seriously, why? Why? Why is Aussie so important to Chelsea Football Club? And because us he was um, he was the icon of that team. Okay, that team, which was a massively underachieving team from the, if you like, if you take it from the Tommy Doherty period onwards, okay. Um, nowadays, with that level of skill and ability, etc., you'd expected that to have been like Mourinho's first Chelsea, sort of, you know, smashing everything before it. Um, but it didn't matter. It almost didn't matter that we were kind of underachieving or, or whatever because we had, we had this glamour thing. And I'll never forget the difference between Leeds United. On that that cup for both cup final days, both the replay net with their crispy clean suits and their short back and sides <laughs> and everything like that, and and you know the likes of Hutchinson with his long wiry hair and Charlie Cook with his you know seventies porn style look with his moustache and everything, um, but Peter Osgood was like the central part of that. And, you Cavaliers know, it, it, versus Roundheads, mate. And all, uh, I, I remember the poster on my bedroom wall which had Peter Osgood firmly in the centre. Okay. Um, and it was all, and I'm not trying to denigrate anything here or, or take the piss, but it was almost like a Last Supper picture, <laughs> like Vinci, with him in the middle. Mm. Um, and I just think he became that icon. And it didn't matter that he, you know, we didn't win as much as we should because the sheer joy of going along to that club at that time and watching these fantastic players, you know, and, and we talk about Oscar, but you had Alan Hudson. Um, and I think also the, the fact. The maddening fact that he was completely virtually overlooked by Alf Ramsey, as were quite a few Chelsea players at the time, um, especially for the 1970 World Cup, when he was arguably at his peak as well. Um, but for me, you know, he was he, he he kind of 
embodies and personifies that squad for that short period of time, that eight or nine years um, from when he came into when he went out in about 73 or 74. Mm. You know what? The other thing, uh, Ozzy's major contribution, of course, was a starring role in, in the Michael Caine version of The Italian Job where the uh, bus, the minibus that had England fans that were there to distract the Milan, or was it Turin police, uh, a spray painted on that van was Osgood is good, which yeah. I've, I've never, ever forgotten for some bizarre reason. Um, but I think actually what you, you kind of, you kind of hit, hit, you know, the, the nail on the head squarely there, Tony, that, I mean, there's a brilliant book out there, actually, people. I don't know if anybody, I'm sure a few people in Mixer have read it, but if you haven't, go and Google it, but it's called The Kings of the King's Road. It's an absolutely phenomenal book, which really uh, kind of explains what that team was all about. And, and as the boys have said, you know, Ozzy was definitely the leader of that team on and off yeah. the pitch. Um, and, 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 you know, a lot of our, our current history really dates from those times, you know, in terms of a bit, you know, a bunch of flash bastards, you know, cocky, you know, King's Road drinkers you know and and i think actually in those days more than any other era perhaps is that the players on the pitch embodied the, the fans off it and vice versa and of course you know that the players are much closer to the the fans in those days and, mm. and we had access to them and you know Oz, Ozzy was us on the pitch but one who had an enormous That's, amount of talent and i think it came out in a, 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 an anecdote that i was given by a friend of mine um who was you know sort of reasonably close in the club them days um was that you know, the, he he had a massive friendship with um, well, a lot of the Chelsea players did with George Best, who ended up his last days I think just down the road from from our ground or whatever. Um, and at the time, George Best had publicly stated the only other team he would have considered playing for was us because of who we were, because of what we did and how we played. Mm. You know, and, and it was an attitude, imagine, wasn't it? Cool, but can you exactly? It was an attitude and a kind of culture. But can you imagine a drinking session with? If they'd have added Bestie into the end of it, blimey. blimey. Well, I mean, you know, Ian Hutchinson was was called the was no, hang on, it was Tommy Baldwin that was the sponge, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and that's what, and it, yeah, it had everything. Is that the reason? Yeah. It, yeah. it was good. It was sponge from His a drinking point of view. His name is Tommy Baldwin. He's yeah. the leader of the team. Right. Anyway, um, I've got an, my own personal anecdote, but I, I, I'll save it uh, to, after I've read this out because I mean, I think other, than, I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it, that we're all gravitating towards this. Really, it was their embodiment of, of what Chelsea were about. It was the attitude, the style, the flashness, and all that. And, and I think that was massively true and important. But if if you know, Aussie backs it up with stats as well. I mean, uh, 150 goals in 300 appear, uh, 380 appearances. He's fifth on the all-time goal scoring list. Uh, he still holds the record of scoring in every round of the FA Cup, which still hasn't been equaled, has it? Which is eight goals, by the way. He scored the most goals in one European match, which is five. And he was the top uh, scorer, goal scorer for Chelsea in the season four times. So, you know, he, he could play with style. He could drink everybody under the table and he was still absolutely phenomenal as a player, Dan. I mean, you know, you, you don't get that today, do you? No, I mean, he was, he's, he's, an, old, he's an old school footballer. I mean, that, those stats are pretty phenomenal. I mean, hey, every round of the FA Cup. He, just, he, was, he, was, he was embodied Chelsea at the time. You know, he was, he was a large life personality, you know, the Rocco Welsh stories. It's just what, what Chelsea would have bat in that era. I think he's, you know, players like him are characters we don't have anymore because everything's so sanitised, everything's so, you know... A true, a true maverick and a true yeah. lovely, lovely, lovely bloke. Now, my little anecdote, which, uh, you know, I'm sure there are people who know this because I, I, I wrote about it in CFC UK uh, quite a while ago, probably commemorating an anniversary of him. It might even be soon after that, but... 
Um, I did one of the last interviews for TV uh, with Peter Osgood in November, and of course he died in the March, as we know. Um, and he was hilarious. I mean, I couldn't find him for a start. He didn't turn up where we were supposed to be doing the interview. And I was trying to get hold of him, couldn't get hold of him on his phone. In the end, I phoned up the, the lovely um, PR girl at Chelsea, who was a girl called Pippa in those days. And, and you know, I had not organised this interview with the club. I'd organised it directly through Peter. And, and you know, so she had, she, you know, she didn't have to help me out at all, but she very kindly tracked him down, phoned me back and said, well, I know where he was. And I said, well, well where was he? He said, oh, he's been at this Legends do we've been having here. Uh, and I've I've spoken to somebody, and he's running late, but he is on his way. Anyway, Ozzy turns up an hour later, and he said he's in an absolute panic. He's terribly embarrassed about being late. Really apologetic. Clearly flapping. And I said, Ozzy, look, don't worry, mate. Don't don't panic. Let's just calm you down. I said, would you like a drink? And he, and he kind of gave me that look, like does the Pope wear a funny hat? And uh, <laughs> so I, so I, I I bought him a drink. I said, well, what what would you like? He said, oh, I have a glass of wine. And I, and I said to the bar, I said, right, uh, what, what, I don't know, Pinot Grigio or something. And, 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 and then before I could say anything, yeah, make it a large one. And the barman hands me over this glass of wine. I swear to God, you could put half a bottle of wine in this glass. Ozzy woofs that down. And suddenly, you know, the colour's back in his cheeks and he's ready and firing to go. Now, I mean, technically, I'd only really, you know, you, when you do an interview with somebody, that you, you kind of pay for about half an hour, maybe an hour at most. Ozzy gave me two hours. You know, and and I made it very clear to him very early on that I was a big Chelsea supporter, so he lapped all of that up. And he was just wonderful. He was charming. He was hilarious. He was lovely. And uh, at the end of the interview, you know, he turned around to me and he said, he said, mate, he said, I really enjoyed that. He said, that was a great interview. He said, you're the best interviewer, he said, I've, I've ever been interviewed by. He said, you remind me of that, that bloke. Or oh, what's that bloke with the tash he was going? What's that bloke with the tash? And I said, I don't know. He said, oh, he said, I know. He said, you remind me of Desmond Lynham. He said, he said, you're very easy to talk to. You're lovely. And I'm thinking, Ozzy, shut up. You don't need to say that. I said, you're my fucking idol here, you know. <laughs> anyway, so off he disappears. And, uh, and I'm, and, you know, I, I, I then breathed, you know, as you do. And I talked to the cameraman and I kind of let it all out. And I just said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I've just interviewed Peter Osgood. My life is complete. Take me now and I'll be happy. And as I'm like extolling how wonderful Peter Osgood was and how excited I was to have interviewed him, Ozzy comes rushing back into the room unannounced, holding a Gianfranco Zola shirt and um, a, a, you know a, a framed copy of the photograph of him heading the equaliser against Leeds in 1970. And he said, he said, mate, he said, I, I had to come back and show you this. I had to come back and show you this. He said, I've, I've been at this Legends do, uh, you know, all day, and 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 the legend that they were celebrating was. Was uh, was Gianfranco Zola, and, uh, and 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 I met I met him I met Zola and and he gave me this shirt he gave me a signed shirt he signed it for me, and he, I mean he's the king of Stamford Bridge, and I said whoa 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 Ozzy Ozzy no way man no way I said Zola was fantastic but you were are and will always be the king of Stamford Bridge, and he looked at me and he says ah oh, mate honestly that's too much and he meant it he meant it I mean he's so so humble. An absolute one-off, and I tell you, mate, he, he is he is sorely, sorely missed at that club. Speak. Yeah, of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think before, I, before I crack up and cry, because I yeah, remember can't follow well. that, Judge. You can't follow that. I mean, that's a fantastic story. I mean, yeah. he's he's one of our real, real heroes, and you know, if like, like when Matthew Harding died, it's one of those moments where you're like, that really hurts. It's like one of your own because yeah, you've got that, you know, absolute 
connection with him just through through your where through I sit, your... where I sit, where you sit. What do you in mean? Aussies. In oh, Aussies. Of course you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he's right. Even, he's got the song when Aussie and Co restored our pride. Well, you know, no, I mean, I, Richard Week said something very interesting at the Supporters Trust meeting, which is not not sub judice, but um, which I didn't realise actually, because of course I've never I've never sat there. But um, there's a little plaque apparently in the shed end, um, you know, commemorating the fact that that Aussie's ashes are buried under the penalty spot, and uh, Richard's certainly going to have words with the club because apparently it's been covered up by some of the electronic scoreboards. And uh, and it needs to either be made visible where it is, or be made more visible within the ground. I mean, I know we've got a statue to him, and it, I think it's absolutely fitting that the only statue that we have of, of a player is, is Peter Osgood in many respects. But uh, I think it would be nice to to, to have that that uh, plaque more visible, perhaps. Mm. But listen, I could we could we could all we could probably do a four-hour show just on on Peter Osgood and how wonderful the man. Uh, the yeah. man is but uh, sadly we don't have four hours now we're not going to talk about the European super state because compared to Peter Osgood frankly it's bollocks um, we will talk about uh, the gates at Stamford Bridge but I'm going to shove it into part four as one of the emails Jonathan and uh, and I can tell you all about it then so in a minute after a very short break uh, we will talk about the uh, new Stamford Bridge gates and a couple of emails and do our usual supporters news roundup we will see you in a second Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Okay, welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. And uh, those who are listening to us in Mixler during our break will know that we carried on the Aussie chat and uh, my proof of proof we needed that we could do about four hours talking about Peter Osgood and none of us would be bored with it and I suspect you lot wouldn't either. Anyway, we have lots of business to get through here. Now, um, I've, I've pushed this particular bit of the show into this part because I really do want to talk about it uh, because a young lad, I don't know if he's a young lad, he might be as old as me for all I know, but he's a, a chap called Alex Holloway emailed me to talk about this um, and I shall read this uh, email right now it says hi Chidge I'm a big fan of the podcast long time listener first time emailer I'm sometimes logged in live on Mixler as Chelsea Hole uh, but don't say much fair enough uh, I'm not sure if you're aware but the club have launched an open design competition today to design the new gates to the Fulham Road side as part of the new stadium development uh, my architecture practice plan to enter the competition but would really love the input and insight of the fancars community and those close to the supporters trust i think it's important that the design is an embodiment of chelsea's fan base the gate should stand as a monument to match day going fans and not the powers that be as a chelsea fan as someone who grew up locally i attended the neighboring oratory school for many years I would really appreciate the opportunity to work hand-in-hand hand with you guys on submitting a really fantastic proposal. The deadline for the design competition is noon 24th of March, so we have to move relatively quickly on this in order to distill the idea and produce something convincing. And having you guys on board would really give us the edge. It would be great to hear your thoughts. It would be great to meet up over a beer and chat further. It would have also been great if I'd have remembered to say this last week, which would have, of course, given Alex another week, but uh, mm. I'm afraid I didn't. 
But it did strike me as interesting, actually, and I just just wonder what your boys' thoughts on what might be a pre I've got an idea myself, but I'd be quite eager to hear. Dan, we haven't heard from for a while. For a while. So, Dan, what, Ooh, what, 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 what do you think? Spot, um, I like to see maybe significant player numbers into, you know, like 26 for John Terry, 25 for Zola, maybe they're kind of put into the gates. It's depending on how many gates you're going to have. You can make but, it like a like an advent calendar. Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> Um, or play school. What's behind the round window? I bet yeah. you were on that, weren't you, Jonathan? What did you say, Chich? Sorry. I bet you were on play school, weren't you, with Brian Kant? Um, no, I've uh, I've uh, I met Brian Kant once, though. That's I'm very disappointed to hear you weren't on play school or yeah, play no, away. My dad was on play school. Was he really? Yeah, he played no Mr. Bits, Mister Bit, Bits and Pieces. He played. Was he? Was, uh, Do you know what? I remember that. He was a a, a collector of. Um, of uh, bits and pieces, pieces funnily enough. Yeah. He went round with it with a, like a rag and bone man, but uh, more up, up, he up wore it. He, he, he had a flat cap and a brown, a brown, yes, uh, yes. kind of lab coat, didn't he? Indeed, indeed. And Derek Griffiths was frequently the presenter at the time. I remember it. Remember him? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic yeah, performer. That's yeah, mental. Brilliant. That is absolutely mental. Um, Dan, sorry, I, I, I completely hijack what you're talking about. Uh, so, but you would like something themed around numbers, significant possibly, numbers of yeah. players. I mean, I, I mean, or. Because I think if you're going to try and do players' faces, it's not going to come out very well. Numbers, numbers are a good thing. Um, the badge, which is kind of like you know, everyone does a badge. Maybe you could have all badges. You could have badges down the down the seasons, down the yeah. years, couldn't you? I'd like yeah. I'd like to have um, you know, the old weather weather vane that used to be on the east old east stand. It was a, a, a it was a, a Chelsea player in George, uh, George Hilston, isn't it? Yeah, it was. That's right. Blue top, white shorts, and uh, black socks, which was the old. The old uh, strip. I'd like to have um, uh, just two big versions. You have a modern version and uh, uh, of uh, say say uh, a modern kit. Have Costa and George Hillsden, and it's just be both of them, and they would just push it open with both of them, and they come back together again. I just had a great idea. You could have if people wanted to, you could have like um, names of family members in the gates. So, for example, so you've got a permanent memorial to to you know past Chelsea fans. So you could have you know. People's names, say, for example, you know, my dad. Silver, or, kid. Yeah, yeah kid. Or, you know, for example, like, you know, something like Nice for Kirsty Wilson, all those yeah. you know, fans have gone too soon. Do you know what? Do you know what that's reminded me of? And, 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 I, and I hate to say it after you've in, in, inveigled the name of the wonderful Kirsty Wilson, but I remember I had to go to. Oh, this is unbelievably stupid, but I had to go to Arsenal to go and buy a shirt for this American friend of mine, and I he was being very nice to me when I went out to LA, so I promised him I would do it and 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 clearly be uh, hazard detoxed afterwards. But, a Guna shirt. Yeah, but as as I as I went out there, what I didn't realise before, I'd never seen this before, but in front of their mega store, they've got little plaques in the pavement of, uh, of, of fans of theirs who have died and clearly had their ashes uh, buried there or something and the, the thing that made me absolutely laugh my cock off was the fact that one of them was called Martin Levy and and I thought but but Martin's on the podcast A, how can he be dead and B, how can he be a gooner in disguise and me being me I took a photograph of it and tweeted it out and, and basically you know coated him off you know because I'm a bit mean like that and so, ruined his reputation well, forever well the thing about Martin was that you can't ruin Martin's reputation it, it, it's <laughs> lower than a snake's belly mate um, Tony um, do you have an idea old son I do, but it seems rather flippant after what you've mentioned, to be quite honest. Oh, come on. Nothing can be more flippant. Nothing can be less flippant. Well, it was. It is quite flippant. I was just thinking of some, you know, sort of solid iron gates with the Michelangelo fresco um, painted across the front of them um, uh, with different pictures of our previous owner. 
um, and then have them name the Stanford Bates. <laughs> brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. They're going to be electric gates, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They should be. And... Uh, yeah, the, oh, I love it. And maybe with it, maybe. Well, no, no. I was going to say because I, I always used to call, um, you know, the 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 Copthorne, the Bates Motel, <laughs> you know, in my lighter uh, mood. And you could yeah. have a you could have an effigy with a bucket behind it with "Save the Bridge." Save the bridge. Yeah, good old put a quid in every time. To gain entrance, you have to put a quid in. That's before you get into the the ground itself. Oh, that would be appropriate because, of course, he was sued and successfully sued for only a pound. Hurry up. Yeah. The only idea I've had with this, and, and before I waffle on about this, if anybody's listening, uh, well, of course, there's loads of people listening in Mixler, but actually, if you if you have an idea and you want to, like, contribute to this, Alex is really, really well up for that. Now, I can't remember his email address because I forgot to write it down like a complete spanner, but um, it's no problem. If you've got an idea, I can put him in touch with you, and he, he really does want some input from, from what we're talking about. Um, anyway, so email us chelseafancast at gmail.com if you've got some ideas or strong views about what you would like the gates to be and then hopefully he can filter that into whatever they decide to design and then they can send that off and hopefully win the competition and then you can all own it but the one idea that I had there's a there's a couple of, uh, well there's a great t-shirt and I've seen uh, some stuff on kind of Facebook and Twitter very much in this style but Great, great, great. In fact, the people out there, if you've not come across these guys, you really must. But they're called uh, atimebeforesky.com. And they make some brilliant, brilliant T-shirts with a very old-school Chelsea theme around them. Like, for example, you can buy replicas of the You Can't Ban a Chelsea Fan T-shirts, for example. Uh, And they're decidedly against modern football and everything that Sky has done. And they are absolutely brilliant. But one of their T-shirts is basically... Um, themed around a lifetime following Chelsea and I think that this is very pertinent to to the new Stamford Bridge and how we remember it and how we uh, celebrate and remember our history for good or bad and they basically have this kind of block text of loads of uh, historical or, or, or things that are synonymous with Chelsea's history and I'll, and I'll run through this very really quickly to see you've got an idea but for example the rising sun March 10th 1905 Fred Parker's dog bit fatty Fulks, Huey Gallagher Moscow Dynamo 120,000 Bentley's boys Drake's ducklings Doherty's diamonds Sexton Sizzlers the old enemy from Yorkshire Osgood is good Old Trafford to Athens the kings of the king's road Eddie Max Blue and White Army, the boys in blue from Division 2, the Shed, the White Wall, the Middle, the West Side, the North Stand, you can't ban a Chelsea fan, football specials, one man went to mow, Flash at Burnham Park, Johnny Neal, the very, very special one, Ian McNeil, it's a long way to Fulham Broadway, the T-Bar Casuals, Gate 13, Pringle, Lacoste, Fear, Joey's Gonna Getcha, Johnny B, the 100% man, Pat Nevin, Kerry Dixon, Speedo, Gate 13, probably already said that, haven't I? Main Road, Invasion, we're back. Highbury 25,000, Kerry at the clock end, the Marshmen, Cold Blow Lane, and so on, so on, so on it goes. And it kind of like picks up, you know, historical things to do with the club, to do with the footballers, the games, the fans, all of those kind of things. And I thought that, I mean, it's a brilliant T-shirt and I, I, I recommend anybody to buy it. But I just wonder if they could do something along that those lines and, and really, you know, if you like, no pun intended, cement the history of the club within its fabric. Jonathan. I think it's a great idea. Tony, Tony, yeah, sorry, great. Tony, Tony. Yeah, very good indeed. Yeah. I mean, you could, add, you yeah. could add, add much more to that as well. You could add lots of chants to that as well. Well, they, they, they have. I mean, for example, in in the at the time before Sky T-shirt, they've got 
some of the chance in there. So always look on the bright side of life is one. Um, yeah, and I'm saying they, could, they, they could put many more in. There are many more. You yeah, get. you know, they, they've, they've picked but up I, on I that thing. I think it's a great idea, Chidge. But yeah. for me, and I mean, they're brilliant T-shirts, and I've seen similar things done on Facebook and Twitter, but they absolutely encapsulate Chelsea Football Club from the football and from the supporters' perspective, you know. And I think that's what's really, you know, things like we all know, you know, that are really important. It's so easy at the lane, for example. That's a brilliant one. You know, uh, Bobby D in 43 seconds is another one that's struck. So it's it's the modern as well, you know. It's not just old stuff. But uh, I just thought maybe an idea along that. Um, I don't know what you lot are thinking out there in Mixler because I haven't really really looked. But I hope you get a flavour of that. And by all means, email Alex via us at ChelseaFanCast at gmail.com and we'll put ideas forward now we are we've got 15 minutes left jonathan and a lot to cram in i'll read it very quickly we've got the longest email we've ever had on the show to do but it's really, really well quickly. worth I've it just done, i've just done an f1 commercial for um channel four you are your terms and conditions man tonight um yeah no that'd be perfect and i, I had to fit this this in in 20 seconds and uh, you might hear it on the radio sometime read it's, it uh, read it at the, the right nice, pace. Don't, nice don't, quick read. Don't hurry for our for our benefit. Just do it. I've been listening to you guys since Shell Tales by the Boys of Ear Stories in the station public Now it's read it properly. Read it properly. I know. I'm going to. Don't worry. Dear <laughs> uh, Stanford Chidge and the team, I've been listening to you guys since Shell since Tales by the Boys of Beer Stories in the station pub in Putney. I used to walk past there sometimes on my way home from work when I lived in London. Growing up in Zimbabwe, the only live European football you could watch was the FA Cup. I'd watched them win the Cup in 1997, but my love affair really began with Gianluca Vialli in the fourth-round tie versus Oxford in 1999. The idea of the manager picking himself for a match, then getting the penalty, <laughs> dubious penalty, to save the match blew my mind. I loved him and the international vibe the team had. When I moved to England, I lived in Earl's Court and couldn't believe I could walk to the ground. In the 12 or so years I lived in London, I got to the bridge as much as I could. I got to see some amazing matches and even three Wembley semi-finals. Unfortunately, the last one was against City. And I live in Copenhagen, though I can watch many of the matches. The commentary's in Danish and it's not quite the same. I find myself relying on the fan cast, the Chelsea, the Podding Shed and the Chelsea Fans Channel on YouTube to tap into what other supporters that's, are feeling. That's your one listener, Tony. <laughs> I find myself disagreeing with you guys a lot of the time, but I know that when I listen to you, I'm getting the real thoughts and feelings of real Chelsea fans that have Chelsea in their hearts. So on that, I feel like I'm a part of you. As I said, though, I find myself disagreeing with you guys a lot. And over the last few weeks, I've just been driven to write in. I'm not surrounded by Chelsea fans, so I, I don't know whether my views represent just me or a number of supporters, but here's an alternative view on a couple of things. Jose had to go. I absolutely love Jose. I thought he was an amazing manager, a great man, and his link to us supporters is forever, but our feelings for him cloud the truth. The tactical genius of his first stint in charge was nowhere to be seen the second time around. His basic tactics were home or away, 4-2-3-1. Solid defence and let the talent up front get the goals. Yes, we walked the league last season, but as defences shut up shop and, when we, and we had to try to unlock them, we struggled. It seemed that he just didn't know how to change it. There was no instruction or pattern of play designed to unlock defences. It was all down to the talent on the pitch, and if they couldn't do it because of form, bad luck, the ref or whatever, he started turning on them. You can say what you want about players not pulling their weight, but for there to be such a palpable discord, you have to put the blame on the manager. 
After all, keeping everyone motivated and pulling in the same direction is what management is. The club are right to hold off on contract talks with JT. JT's status and position in the club goes without saying. Captain, leader, legend. From the youth team, cleaning boots, to being the most successful captain in our history, the guy is a living legend. He is, however, 35 years old now. Branner is 32 now. He was offered his one-year extension and signed it happily. Cole, Lampard and Drogba were older than that when they refused when they were refused one-year extensions, which is why they're ending their careers elsewhere. Yes, we wanted them to end their careers at Chelsea, but players have the right to maximise their playing careers. They got better deals to play elsewhere and took them. Let's not forget that the club made these guys wealthy, successful legends of the club and the game. Skulls and gigs always get brought up as the right way to treat club legends, but the truth is, is they were willing to sign one-year deals to stay, whereas Drogba, Cole and Lampard were not. I do think JT does deserve a one-year extension based on the form he was showing before he got injured. But if he's pushing for more than a year at 35, I don't think he should get it. I think his power play in the media is an attempt to force the club's hand. Either the club caves in and gives him the contract he wants, or if they don't, he leaves and the supporters blame the club. I just think to put the club in that position is wrong on his part. Roman Emanalo and the club in general are doing a lot of things right. Yes, there have been some crazy mistakes the club have taken. Sacking Jose the first time, sacking Ancelotti, appointing the fat Spanish waiter. I could go on, but I do think they're doing a lot of things right. First of all, can you imagine the maturity and humility it must have taken for a man like Roman to bring Jose back, knowing that it's what the fans wanted? That showed a real attempt to do right by the fans in my book. Second, there are obviously issues with our loan and youth policies and paths to the first team, but take them as separate entities and the youth are dominating every level. And a lot of our loan players are making contributions to other teams, so they must be doing something right there. Even the women's team is dominating. Emanalo gets so much stick off you guys, but look at the talent that's come into our club whilst he's been around. In terms of the first team, Hazard, William, Aspilicueta, Zuma and Courtois, to name a few. We can argue about the fate of some of the other signings, but in terms of identifying the talent and getting the deals done, Emanalo and the club have done well. Think of signing William from under Spurs' nose or getting Zuma and Courtois in so young or signing a player like Fabregas that is still only 20, still only 28. Of the team that won the league last year, only Terry and Ivanovic were over 30. That to me says a lot about the forward thinking and planning they're doing in terms of the squad. Once the talent is in the building, either in the academy or with the first team, it's then the manager's job to work with them. It pains me to see the outflow of talent under Mourinho, especially Mata, Lukaku and De Bruyne. Seems like Mourinho gave up on them too early. Even players like Moses, Barr and Schürrle did not do too much wrong in a Chelsea shirt. Not to mention the mass exodus of even better players <laughs> there may have been if he'd stayed. It's been a tough season, but overall things are looking up again. We're playing better, looking happier, and still could end the season with a pot. I think that if we keep our main players and get another decent striker, we can challenge for everything again next season. I still think we have a great squad that could dominate and entertain for years to come. Thanks for all the work you guys put into the fan cast. I look forward to it every week. Keep it up and maybe lay off Emanalo and the club a bit. Win or lose, up the blues. Lionel in Copenhagen.
And that's all we've got time for tonight on the Chelsea Fancast. Um, Actually, I think you could have written a whole a whole fancast around that one email. Well, you know, it. it I, I read it. Out, well, I, I, I'm a good lad, and if people, you know, take the trouble to write in, I'm I, the least I can do is to get it on the show. I'm glad we're not paying Jonathan by the word because we'd be stuffed. Maybe retired. But the the other thing that I thought, I mean, I'll I'll talk to you guys about it in a sec. Although we need to be fairly brief, but. Um, I was in, interested, intrigued by this because, to be really honest, number one, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think this show has, um, you know, sat here and 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 shat our nippy nappy about Mourinho going. I think Good we were man. we we were quite we were quite considered about that. We were very upset because of what might have been and what should and could have been. But I think we accepted that you know it, things had got to a stage where they just couldn't go on, and we were fairly phlegmatic about that um as far as jt are concerned uh, i I, what we didn't like was the was the gross hypocrisy of the club in offering other players a one-year contract of a similar age and not talking to jt and and also what putting him in a ridiculous position chidge what's he supposed to do is he supposed to wait till the end of the season he can't contact any other club well i mean look we, we also said that we felt he was a bit off trying to do it the way he was because he was playing the club you know he's playing the club. There's no doubt about it. But, but they're it, playing him. Yeah, but they're playing him exactly. And the other the other thing with that was that um, I can't remember now because you interrupted my train of thought, Jonathan. I'm so sorry. So don't fucking do it again. Never. But but the bottom line is is that um, we uh, were not doing what he. I, I, we weren't we weren't getting all pissy about JT per se. We were we were making a very valid point. And, the, and I think and, we make a very balanced argument. Yeah, I do. And the now the other one. Hang on. There's another one. Emanalo. I mean. Um, uh, basically, Emanalo. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we start the boot into him a bit, but we've also actually been really considered. And I can remember myself saying on this show, I'm saying, well, I mean, you know, everybody makes him the num the public enemy number one at Chelsea, which is, I think, quite simplistic. I think there's more to it than that. I actually don't really think the guy has as much power and clout as people give him credit for. And I think it's Roman and Marina that make most of the decisions. And actually, Roman takes advice from every Tom, Dick and Harry who thinks they've got a football brain. So whilst I think the guy isn't as good as we deserve in the role that he does at Chelsea per se, um, which is my view, my opinion, um, I don't think he's quite as bad as a lot of other people would paint him. So, um, I'm, you know, look, Lionel, I think it's brilliant. Hugely long email. Fantastic that you got some strong opinions on that. I think, I don't think, we we stick the boot into the club uh, or Emanalo or anybody else really unless we we deserve it and I think that there are many things that the club have done in terms of mismanagement that's been quite shambolic and I'm sorry but it, uh, it's my you know I have every right as the people on the show do to criticise when we feel it necessary but not as Tony Glover would insist never to nappy shit isn't that right Tony <laughs> absolutely and I thought he made some good points in he there did. that I. I agree with some, didn't agree with others. Yeah. Um, that's what it is about. I mean, I listen to this show, and, and, and thanks, Lionel, by the way, for the pod and shed mention. Um, it's nice to know we have one listener out there. <laughs> but I would, I would actually say that, um, you know, you know, virtually every fan cast. Look, we stood in that pub, the cock, the other week, Chidge, mm. and we got opinions like that wherever we went. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the whole nature of it? Well, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. No, and, and it's I, I, always going to be the case, isn't it? Because we don't actually know. Do we yes. really? No, we don't. On. That's the problem, isn't it, Jonathan? Always. Yeah. But we do, we have to we have to uh, presume and uh, and deduce. But um, 
ultimately we're we're not we're not in the know. So. I think I think you know it's really funny, Jonathan. We've said this on the show before as well because it, you know the number of times Chelsea supporters, particularly you know, I, I see it on Twitter all the time, are absolutely coating off all of the journalists for for making stuff up and talking bollocks and rubbish. Um, but actually, the irony is is that we are in the same boat. We're exactly the same boat for the same reason that we and the journalists know as little as each other when it comes to the, you know, the machinations of Chelsea Football Club, and therefore everything is just conjecture and hypothesis. But we've got two hours to do it in Chig. Exactly. They've got a small article, and we're much more entertaining. Much Indeed. more, and we love Chelsea far more. I mean, the thing is, Lionel. Final point on this is that you know, I love I love Chelsea FC, right? But you know, I don't love them uh, unconditionally. You know, I I, I love sexually. I love my wife unconditionally, but that's the only person in the in the world that I love unconditionally. Um, I don't Is know. She there? She, she's, she's standing there. She's, I'm shouting it very loudly so she can hear. <laughs> you know, but if they if they act like wankers, I'm going to call it. If they do yeah. stuff I don't like, I'm going to call it. And I mean, I include the players in that. I don't believe in this kind of you can never criticise the players why not people criticise me all the time and so they should as Lionel kind of did a little bit and he's entitled to do that and fair play to him we've got to move on because otherwise we'll be here till 10 o'clock and I won't get to the cricket you won't get to the cricket I haven't eaten yet so we'll do a very 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 quick round up which I shall do and as Jonathan would say uh, terms and conditions man Right, CFC UK. You can get CFC UK at home games from, or from CFC UK store opposite Fulham Broadway Tube and also at the away games. Hurry up, it's only a pound. And if you can't get it there, you can get it in the States as a hard copy. Just go to at CFC UK USA. I've gone a bit Marxist in my article uh, this month and uh, and not what she says, Chidge. Not what... <laughs> my wife. Very good, Osgood. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, my, I got a bit Marxist with my article this month about tickets. Uh, and or, Somebody's already tweeted me on Twitter saying, well done, somebody has to. Right, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Join the trust, get your voice heard by the club. Five quid to become a voting member or free for non-voting members. Sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com and then you can attend the meetings, come to the events, vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. Follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And well done to the trust, of which, of course, I am involved for a superb flag that was adorning the Matthew Harding upper and Richard is involved with that I don't know if he's still in the house but well done look great uh, CPO if you want to uh, own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge to find out how to buy a share for around 100 quid email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out Chelsea fc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners follow them on Twitter at pitch owners um, Chris Morgan uh, is running in the marathon the London Marathon but I'm going to wait till next week because I plugged it last week but I will plug it again next week Chris I promise and very lastly congratulations to the Chelsea fans channel Rory on his engagement to his lovely girlfriend who I believe is called Victoria I'm sure Rory will let me know if I've got that wrong. Uh, uh, it is Victoria. It is Victoria. Well, yeah. Done. Yeah. Well, well done to Rory. It'll it'll make a man out of you, son. There's no denying it. Right. Uh, we will be back next Monday, which is the 14th of March, is it not? Yes. I believe yes. it is. When we will either be discussing how Chelsea will march on and dominate world football for millennia to come, having beaten PSG to get through to the next round of the Champions League fi- uh, uh, competition, or uh, getting through to the semi-finals of the FA Cup by smashing those horrible sock robbers, also known as Everton. 
Um, or we will be discussing how our season is over and we might as well go and watch cricket or something or just go and get drunk and not bother going. I don't know. But it could be quite an interesting show, boys, could it not? Yes, yeah. It could be all or nothing, couldn't it? It eh? is all or nothing. I like a bit yeah. of all It'll or probably nothing. be half, won't it? That's probably what'll happen. Yeah, you know. Yes. We, yeah. Who, the great thing about football is we don't know. No. And the other great thing about football is we will all have an opinion on it. Exactly. Because that is how it's supposed to work. And, now, and, and as Jonathan just said, um, actually, it is a game of two halves. Sorry, that was crap. Yeah, we'll either be we'll either be over the moon or sick as parrots, Tony. <laughs> right now, uh, talking of opinions, it has been an absolute privilege and a pleasure, as always, to spend my Monday evening with the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Oh, you're too kind. You enjoyed it this week. Always, I always enjoy it. Yeah, it's always great to have you in here. I mean, I'm beginning to really warm up to this whole format and and stuff. I'm I'm really, you know, it's it's nice. I'm enjoying it now. Would you Would you agree with that? I don't get enough gags in though, because every time you you say something, and I can't get in. I know. You speak I know, so I know. you speak so concisely, Jid. You always always you set there are very very few pauses. Every time I'm looking for a pause, and I think I can get in there and say something. No, Jonathan, you. you're not looking for a pause. You're looking for applause. Applause. That's as well. Both. <laughs> Da- no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you'd be brilliant, and I love you. Don't ever Thank let you. it be said that I don't. Uh, Thank da- you. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> as always, uh, lovely to have you in tonight. Have yeah. you enjoyed it? Yeah, always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. Excellent stuff, and it was just so much fun uh, with you on Saturday. I really enjoyed our little booze up on Saturday. Yeah, two two in a row. It's good. It, it, it was like an away day, wasn't it? It was a bit, Almost. wasn't it? Yeah. And we'll we'll try and go for the hat trick uh, for West Ham because sadly I'm not there this week, which is really just yeah. Well, I'm, I'm doing. I'm, I'm at both. I'm at um, Wednesday and I'm going to Everton as well. So yeah, I know. Well, look, have fun on Wednesday. Me too. Make a lot of noise for me on Wednesday. I'm so pissed. I, I've got, I can't even watch the match live. I, I've got to like TiVo it and then come home and then like pretend it's like starting at ten o'clock or whenever I get back. Turn, turn your phone off wherever uh, you do. Well, I will. I mean, I, I've got yeah. a meeting all evening, so I, I, I won't have the phone on. But Jesus, what a nightmare! Somebody will shout it in the street, Chid. No, they're, they're, that's in Southampton. They don't know who Chelsea are. They're I don't know. Business. Somebody will whisper it in your ear. Something yeah. will happen. It they won't. Does. They won't. It won't happen. I'll get in. Okay. It'll be. It'll be fine. But I'll. I'll I, I'm really gutted not to be there. Tony G, the Reverend Tony, the real Reverend Tony G, <laughs> Grocer Archbishop Chidge. So fantastic to have you on. Can we, can we, can we steal you again one one week? Of course you can. It's been and it's been the the best fun. Oh. Um, I've really enjoyed. It. I was dead nervous, um, but you made me feel welcome. And um, bravo, Tony. It, yeah. Even this, bravo. even the echo. What I will say is, I need to join you after a game with Dan. Yes. Um, yeah. So we can recklessly drink stuff like Timothy Taylor Landlord as long as it takes. I've had a great, great night. Well, let's make a plan for West Ham. Well, am you know. You Excuse me, am I invited? You're of always course. invited, Jonathan. You, you know, we were going to try and meet up with you on Saturday, but events but I'm conspired against date, us. Though. I'm a cheap date, I don't I drink. So. Well, bring your butler, he can get drinks for yeah. us. Bring the oh, butler, he can get... Yeah, that's the way to way for... We, we need to get a local beer down here as well, Tony. We've been meaning to do that for years. We, we, we must, we really must. It, it, we, we, it would be... We'd, we'd be talking till four o'clock in the morning, probably. Good stuff. All right. Well, look, boys, I thank you so thank much you for much. being brilliant tonight. I've really, really enjoyed it. Now, as I said, we'll be back next week. Uh, I can't remember who's on, but I think I think Dan's on, and I think Jonathan's on, and I think Clayton might be on. That's my guess for next week, but I'm going to send them out the schedule uh, tomorrow, and then they'll know, because I've been very bad. But hey-ho. Right, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at Dan Silves 73 and Tony is... Remind me of your Twitter, Tony. 
Gross, at Grocer Jack UK. At, at Grocer Jack UK. One for the teenagers there. One for the teenagers there. And of course, uh, check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. Uh, massive, massive thanks to the so many people that have been in Mixler tonight who have been brilliantly entertaining, coming up with far more coherent and cogent arguments than we ever put up with on the show. Uh, and I do read them. If I don't mention you, it's it's because it's all a bit mad trying to do this, but I do read what's going on, and I love having you in there. The show wouldn't be the same without you in there. So thank you. Thank you to you. Thank you to my guest this week. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it shells. Up the shells! <laughs>